Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021, and you're listening to episode number 513. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryer. This isn't going to matter as much as it should, but happy birthday, John! <laughs> yeah! Wouldn't it have been nice if yeah. you were here for your birthday podcast, you jerk? <laughs> Uh, Joey, tell John what a jerk he is. I hate John Burke. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's just very disrespectful to me. <laughs> and it all started when he said, Cable was a pretty good book. Oh. Never going to let that go. No. I hate no. Cable. All right. <laughs> Anyway, it's good to be back on the podcast. Y'all been doing a great job in my absence, but uh, I have returned. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> <General Arthur. laughs> do you have any uh, stern words for John? I'm the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> We've discovered that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hello. Welcome to the podcast. We have. Sounds like deja vu. What's happening? I thought we did that. <laughs> we have a great show for you this week. Obviously, we're already a little loose. That's because we just got done interviewing Kurt Piers, who is going to be on the show later after the break. We're going to do some lightning rounds. We're going to talk to Kurt about youth and Olympia, and Lost Falls, and a whole bunch of other books. Talk a little bit about music. We'll talk about the industry. We're going to get into it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we hope that you enjoy it. Other than that, we have a few listener questions in the hopper. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of news this week. Uh, a Grendel series got announced for Netflix. Shang-Chi raking in the dough. That's Shang-Chi. Uh, Marvel dropped a teaser trailer for Hitmonkey this afternoon on, on Monday. And, and their uh, Hawkeye trailer was pretty sweet. Oh, that's right. The Hawkeye trailer. I forgot to put that in the outline. We could talk about that for Wait, a minute. Wait, y'all didn't talk about it last week? I thought, I thought y'all talked about it last week. I thought they yeah. talked about it last week. Because I didn't did we? I can't remember. I don't that's know good. what time is anymore. I didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I really liked it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I I'm here for you, Joey. I'm here for you. That's why. I'm oh, oh yeah, no, this is what you talked about because I remember Aaron, of course, was like, "I'm not into it," <laughs> which he says after after every trailer comes out. Well, he was like, "Loki, I'm not into it." <laughs> what if? No, I'm I not didn't into watch it. it. <laughs> I, I was into what if. I wasn't into. I wasn't as into Loki. I was definitely into Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, Let's okay. And Wanda. Speaking of what if. Yeah. We don't really talk. We haven't really talked about what if in a while. We've been kind of doing like one or two episodes at the beginning, and then just kind of coasting for a while and doing a wrap up once it's all 
sure. said and done. Sure. What if has been pretty dark? Yeah. yeah. It's like, funny. So the books. It be, well, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Like I was talking with my colleague. He was like, yo, you've been watching What If? And I was like, yeah, it's it's been fun. The first couple episodes were like, oh, what if this funny thing happened? And then it was like zombies, end of the universe. People are dying. Like, and I was just like, pe- like, all of your Avengers get killed. And I was like, are these, is this is this for kids? Like, is this for children? Like, this is some no. dark, twisted stuff. What was the last episode? Eric Killmonger saves. Tony oh Stark. yeah, yeah. Corporate yeah, espionage yeah. and and like triple that triple crosses. It was great. And I was like, who? Like, who is this for? That last Us. episode, I Us. I watched it last night, and I gotta say that one to me felt unfinished. Like I know that these are just the beginnings of stories, but that was the first one that hit me that I kind of wanted more. Well, here's the yeah, thing. There There's go. like. There's like three or four more episodes, right? I think. Yeah. And their second season, mid-season trailer, whatever they put out, promises it looks like some combining of some of these storylines. Yeah. So I think you might actually actually get some more Pepper Sherry. I want some more Captain Carter is what I want. Well, Captain Carter's coming back too. Even in the saying, like – I think when this book, when this book, when this series like was pitched and it, and it was like, we're doing an animated series. I think we were all like, oh, cool, fun anthology. And then we'll just move on. But I think that releasing after Loki before No Way Home and, and amid all of this yeah, multiverse yeah. kind of conversation, Madness, yeah. I think that there's a, an intentionality behind it. And and now with some of these rumors about some of these characters crossing over into live action and blah, 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 yeah. and this and that. I don't know. So I, I, you might see some crossover and you might get some of these characters coming back. I'm keeping something under my hat right now. I'll tell you. Wow. Guys yeah, no, I can't talk about it here. Wow. Um, and yet, here he is. No, no, no. No, no. Aaron, uh, are you are you still watching What If? And if you have yeah. been, what have been the standout watched. episodes for you? I just haven't watched this most recent one. I was literally while you guys were, on, we were doing a little break. I just said that I haven't watched this recent one. But um, the other ones, I, I kind of feel like if you are going to do a What If, and maybe this is just my twisted mind, you, you need to sort of examine all of the most it's almost like you need to examine the alternatives because it makes it that much more heroic to see what are, you know, the impact of the existence of these heroes is, you yeah. know, has had in the universe. So I feel like I expected these um, episodes to be, okay, well, this is what would have happened if things hadn't gone this way. This is the struggle. And it hasn't always been like, all right, well, things went to the shitter, but you know, it, it it has shown, okay, it wasn't quite as much of a hero's journey as, as, as you know, it it was in this other instance. And this is and it's almost like they're even telling you when the watcher's saying, Well, this is he he's kind of saying without saying that this is about to go to the shitter. So just stand back and see why, you know, Captain America was so special or see why, you know, the Avengers were so special or blah, 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 blah. Um Yeah, I I, I look I, if it was if I'll be honest with you. If you were to do episodes where, you know, it ended with a rainbow and someone saying, the more, you know, I probably wouldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only one that was, the only one that was like that was the T'Challa as store Lord yeah. episode. But other than that, it's been pretty, I don't want to say true to the books, but 
the what if books are, are pretty twisted as well. You know, I'll never forget this one I read that was like Age of Apocalypse, which was like already pretty messed up. And then somehow this what if Age of Apocalypse book was even more messed up. And like that that's that's where you went for those kind of like. Hey, you thought it, Secret Invasion was bad? Well, it could have been worse, right? Like that's kind of where you went for those stories, right? Bob, how about you? What have been the standout episodes for you? Well, obviously, seeing Peggy Carter really kick butt—that was yeah. very amazing. She's even coming to the comics. They're doing an Avengers Forever book where she's going to be part of that. Nice in the story. The all Earth's Mightiest Heroes get killed. I, I I hate to say it this way. I did really enjoy that. Where that went to showed the power of it, that certain character. And you get though that one with all its darkness, you get to this wonderful ending where Nick Fury's starting again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to see the follow-up to that one. I want to see that next Avengers team kick a certain horned guy's butt. Just saying. Hmm. All right. Uh, I don't know. I think for me, the Captain Carter episode was absolutely outstanding. I really, really dug the Doctor Strange episode. I think. Talk about dark. Yeah. yeah. That was was super super dark. Visually, the the latter end of that episode, when the spell is kind of going out of control and he's transforming into all those different things, that was crazy. And I, that story, I won't spoil that one. I, it went to play, it went to a place that I didn't expect it to. I I figured like a quarter of the way in that I knew how that episode was going to end. And I was like, oh man, like we've had this story a thousand times. No, okay. You know, (laughs) lessons will be learned, yada, yada, yada. And then, and then it, it changed things up and it kind of revealed something about itself. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm back in this. And it was a really powerful and sad episode. And and when it ended, I was just I sat back and I was like, damn. I had thoughts that- about that episode as I was watching it. I was like, first, did they really double down on that character? Uh but second, I was like, I kind of feel like based on the person that Stephen Strange was when you meet him in his origin story, that this is probably more likely the path. One hundred percent. This is probably so. I think I think six one six is the what if for Stephen Strange. Now, to be honest with you. All right. I mean, across the board, let's just talk about the voice cast and all these. That it is ninety percent of the Wait. original movie actors doing these parts again. I, I need to say Chadwick something Boseman. about this. Oh yeah, Chadwick Boseman is fantastic. But I need to say something about this. I am tired of these headlines that are like Marvel recasts Iron Man, Marvel recasts <laughs> Captain Marvel, Marvel recasts Captain America. It's like. That is not first of all, that is so misleading and it's just clickbait at this point. It's just it's like That's the game, baby. I know, but I just it's so <laughs> obnoxious and I'm just like, I can't, I know. I can't deal with this. It's like I, I oh, make it Marvel, every day. Marvel drops Marvel drops Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow recasts part. And it's like, no, it's not that's not what's happening here. Um I don't, I don't do garbage like that, it's to just, be fair. It's 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 so obnoxious. But yeah, the voice yeah, acting has been stellar. And Aaron, to your point too, with during that episode, I was like, 
did they get Regina to play this part again? They, is, that, <laughs> is that Rachel? Is that Rachel McAdams? Um, yeah, it's it was it was really great. You know what else is great? Mining. Yep. Shows a damn. Did you identify who's going? All uh, right, I'll be going first. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. Okay. There we have it. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, sir. Okay. I will start with. Sorry. Are you done? I don't think you are. Um, I yeah, and I'll finish it later. Go ahead. You're you're pulling a real John here. Uh, look, oh, oh. I'm with him in That's spirit. Um, uh, He's my favorite. I'll start with a book that I did not like, and that is Marauders number twenty-four. Oh, and Phil Noto. So here's the thing about Marauders. Okay, first of all, I'm in Comicsology store. Picture this, right? Picture this. I'm in Comicsology store. I'm clicking around. I'm like, oh, what am I going to read this week? And then I was like, oh, Marauders twenty-four. You know, Marauders has really lost steam for me since the Hellfire Gala bit me in the butt, and I haven't really been into it. And then I look at the solicit, and it says. Space Pirates Phil Noto on art and I'm like damn it alright I'll read (laughs) you Marauders I'll read you and then I read it and I'm like here's here's what happens right this this dude from space shows up and he's like I'm looking for Emma Frost and that's pretty much the plot of this book they go, they hang out, and then at the end of this book, the, the guy is like, ha-ha, got you, and then sucks them all out into space, and that's the whole issue. Sorry, spoilers for Marauders number 24. I'm sure there's something important that happened in the year. And look, Phil Noto's great, and and Jerry Duggan doing great work on, on the X-Men in general. But like this issue really, for me, felt like spinning wheels. And I have no idea what Marauders is like up to anymore. I felt like for the first maybe 12 or 14 issues, like it had this like clear central role in what was happening with the X-Men universe. And now it, it just, it feels like there's, it it doesn't feel connected. It doesn't feel like anything important is happening. And Mm -hmm. I'm bummed about that because I really do like the characters and I really love Emma Frost. She's one of my favorite characters, but I just feel like, I feel like there's not a lot, happening um there's some cool stuff with the avengers in here too but end of the day i was like curse you space pirates and curse you phil noto like marvel you knew the two things that would have got me to read this book again um just when i thought i was out yes and they were like space pirates um i you know i've been trying to catch up with x-men and normally i would down those issues like nothing i would be there already yeah. And it really has been a little the bit steam. of a chore the to get steam caught up. has really gotten sucked right out of that. And I go back to something that we like, quote unquote, found out a couple of months ago when Hickman was like, yeah, I, I really wanted to be in like the second or third act of this X-Men story at this point, And we're still in the first one. And uh, I, I think I think you're starting to feel that fatigue. I think you're starting to feel like these threads are just getting drawn out too much. And, and the stories in between aren't, aren't really amounting to anything meaningful. So hopefully with like the trial of Magneto happening, which the second issue was, was pretty cool. Um, and the Inferno happening in the next couple of months, hopefully things get picked up a little bit, but 
Marauders, to be honest, 24 was like, it was like that episode of Lost where they tell you what Jack's tattoos mean. That's what Marauders <laughs> 24 felt like. All right, now to something else. Maw, tw- Maw number one. This is Jude Ellison S. Doyle um, and A.L. Kaplan with Fabiana Mascolo and Frederico, uh, Frederica, excuse me, Macolo on uh, uh, colors and letters. Um, so here's the pitch from, I think this was a boom book. Uh, What happens when one woman becomes the real monster society has always made her out to be? Dragged by her sister Wendy to a feminist retreat on the remote island of Angedia, Marion Angela Weber hopes to gain some perspective and empowerment that isn't at the bottom of a bottle. But everything is horribly derailed after an assault on their first night there. The violent encounter awakens something in Marion she never imagined, triggering warped mutations in her body and awakening a hunger she can't bring herself to name. When the townsfolk react with suspicion and violence, what unforgivable act will transform Marion into the very monster they've made her out to be? Um, This book, first of all, artistic, art-wise, is stupendous. Like, really visceral, brutal stuff here, but with that same kind of... That, with that same kind of finesse and like line work of like an Emma Rios or like a Maria Jove, it has those very kind of curvy, wispy lines to it. And, and the colors are rich and vibrant. All of this stuff in that solicit about like the monster within is not readily ev- evident in this first issue. This first issue spends a lot of time setting up the sisters and setting up this retreat and the, and the, and, and really exploring the consequences of assault, I think, in a really meaningful way. Um, Doyle, you know, they're able to do some really nuanced, careful work here. It's an awesome first issue. Um, it's heavy, and obviously some of that material can be very triggering for some, but it is, I think, a really powerful book that has that has uh, some, some interesting places to go. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Why the Last Man, the TV series. Uh, I think that they dropped the first three episodes last Monday. So I don't know if y'all were able to talk about it. Um, it's FX on Hulu. I don't know if it's on the TV, but it's on Hulu. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, on the TV. It might be on... Um Oh God! What do we have? Uh, Star. Yeah, but you know, so the showrunner is Eliza Clark. It's based on obviously based on the comic by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra from like 2002 to 2008. It's crazy that that book was that long ago. Um, I reread it a few weeks ago after the the not the whole thing. I reread the maybe first two volumes after that the first trailer dropped, um, and I, I loved rereading it. You know, it's a really cool book. Uh, that book though is very 2002. Like there is language in it. And there are elements of that book that I was like, man, Brian K. Vaughn, if you did this today, a lot of this would be different. Thankfully, I think the show realized that. And what the show runners have done with it is updated it in a lot of ways. Um, There's a lot of commentary in here. Sadly, that from the book that is obviously still relevant in terms of like gender politics and, you know, these great scenes from the comic are kind of recreated here where these women who survive this apocalypse that wipes out all the men, this virus, are like, okay, well, we need power and we need the power plants to run and we need gasoline and it's and we need oil and we need all this stuff. And they realize that women have been kept out of those rooms for so long that, you know, it, it's a challenge. And, and sadly, 20 years later, that commentary, I think, is still relevant. What the show, I think, does really well is... There are elements of, of other kind of social issues at play here in terms of class privilege and race 
There's also this introduction of all of this kind of new discussion around, uh, not new discussion, but kind of more um, um, nuanced conversation around transgender uh, women and transgender men and where they would fit into this universe as well. So I think the, the, the TV series does a really good job of, of, of bringing this, this story, this concept into uh, 2021. Um, the cast is awesome. Like, first of all, Diane Lane is the mom and the president, right? And it's an amalgamation character of several things, but, and, uh, but she's fantastic all the time. So, and, and she's awesome here as well. Um, and the rest of the cast is great too. Ashley Romans is agent three, five, three fifty five. Ben Schnetzer as your, and Olivia Thurlby from, uh, uh, dread everybody yeah. dread. Yeah. yeah. Um, as hero, <laughs> really awesome. Really, really great cast. Uh, the first three episodes that they released back to back to back are great. Um, it's funny because the first three episodes really line up with the, first volume kind of so i'm really excited to see where the 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 rest of the season goes because um there's a lot of stories still to tell and and uh i'm i'm definitely in Uh, i i didn't know if i would be but but i think the show is doing a really awesome job of adapting um the comic and that's really all i've been up to i've been very busy so i haven't been able to read or watch as much as i'd like but there you go space pirates Man, Marauders used to be the uh, the favorite. It used to be the it book, man. But you know, you can't just keep doing the same shtick. And well, like, I think, go I ahead. I think part of it is they shifted. Well, the, the remember the whole point of the book was that they were supposed to be helping those that were helpless. You know, those mutants that were trying to get to Krakoa but couldn't get to Krakoa. They were, you know, being othered you know, and oppressed, et cetera, et cetera. And then also you have the relationship between Kitty and Storm. Well, now Storm's on Mars and, you know, well, Kitty's drunk half the time, but, you know, whatevs. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of the heart of the book is not really evident there anymore. You do have that great relationship between Kitty and Emma. I do like that relationship, that friendship, that sort of mother-daughter. But it, it doesn't thing, feel but. like it's at the center like Storm and Emma's was. Storm it, and it, um, Kitty. Kitty's was. It it really not, and then wait when the other when Iceman and what's a guy uh, Pyro showed up, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot they were part of the scene. <laughs> I really was I was sort of just like, I don't feel like we've seen them in this book in quite a while. So I was like, oh oh yeah, I, I forgot they they are actual Marauders. Um, yeah. And when was the last time they were actually on the boat? Yeah, so, really, yeah. you know, looking at the whole line, it's like the the X Men main book i think is still really cool and it's it's fresh and new and i'm I'm eager to see where that goes and then it's like that book and hellions for me are like really the only two that are still really top of the pile every week they come out like i want to read them the other books you know if i miss a week or if i have to catch up i i don't mind it, it doesn't really bother me but it's it's crazy that within just a year, you know, if you get stuck in a rut, it'll really derail the momentum of that that line. I'm shocked that I'm going to say this. So you know, I could be drunk right now. You know, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> Last issue of New Mutants, I actually enjoyed. I haven't caught up with New Mutants, and and that's definitely one that I want to check out. Is Vita still on it? Um, I believe so, and but she's yeah. about to start something else. What else is she about to start? She's about. I just. Oh God. Anyway, I can't. I'm, they, I'm sorry. They're about to start something else, but I can't remember 
what that is, and it's something significant. Anyway, I, I'll look at them. I'll look at them. I don't think they're going to be there for long if they are still there. Isn't Vita writing static? Yes. Thank you. But no, there's something else. There's something else that's supposed to start. Ah, I just read it, and it's killing me that I can't remember. Well, for people that are wondering the, uh, why The Last Man is not on Star, but do you know what is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Man of the House no. with Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Get ready wow. for a... <laughs> Oh, never mind. <laughs> I had a joke, but I'm yeah, not going to do it. Joey, um, Joey, on the Y front, I may have read one or two issues of that way, way back and never never caught me somehow. But a uh, couple of weirdo recommendations on, on the same sort of front. There's a, a very famous science fiction story called The Screwfly Solution mm-hmm. by Alice Sheldon, which you probably teach in, in class. Uh, it got made into one of those masses of horror episodes, this one by Joe Dante, which is definitely worth checking out. And here's a weird, here's a really weird one. From 2001, so before Why the Last Man, I'm not saying it's taken from it because nobody saw this movie, but probably me. A very, very indie movie called The New Women by a writer-director named Todd Hughes. Mm-hmm. There's a huge storm, one of those science fiction-y kind of storms. When everybody wakes up in the morning, only the women wake up. Men are all in comas. The world has yes. to change. Yes. Um, Mary Warnoff from Eating Raul is the star. And there's a review on the DVD box, which is sitting in front of me. Plays like a John Waters take on Road Warrior. Yes, <laughs> it is just about that funny. It, it's, it's a really brilliant satire. It is really cheap. I don't want anyone to think it's Road Warrior because it isn't. But it makes a lot of great points, a lot of wonderful performances by a lot of indie actresses, particularly Mary Warnoff. But if, if people are interested in Why the Last Man, they may want to try the new women. <laughs> you got there me. you go. There you go. Yeah. Had you seen this, Steve? Do you know what I'm I even... feel like I've, I feel like I heard about it or I, I read okay. about it like very, very recently. Like, as soon as you started to describe it, like, fireworks started going off in my head i was like yeah 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 um oh god it's either there's something else coming out that was inspired by it or something but um it sounds cool i, I might have to go back and uh check that out there you go it may be like around it. It, probably, it might be on youtube it goes back 20 years you know it's one of those who knows who holds the rights anymore give me the name of that one more time the new women and okay. It's directed by Todd Hughes and starring Mary Warnov from Rock yes. and Roll High okay. School. Yes, okay. I definitely – it had to have been for work. Some, somehow this movie came up because I definitely read about this like maybe last week. Wow. Yeah. Maybe it's tied into yep. the Why the Last Man. Possibly. Just saying. I've been at my job 10 years today. Congratulations. This is my – this is my my ten year anniversary was was um excuse me my uh, Ink and Pixel column launched uh, ten years ago today. That was the start of it all. So oh, nice, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, does anybody else have any? I want to read Maw. That that book. I was looking up some panels and some pages yeah, while you were. Uh, it's awesome. Yap it away. I think I read the first <laughs> issue and I was like this. I have questions. <laughs> the, the, 
there were some gaps in it that I was like, I think I know what's happening, but I, I couldn't really place it. So I'm wondering if um, uh, when the second issue comes out, read both together. I think that's what you need to do. All right. Yeah. I'll tell you. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to our, our books that we're looking forward to. And I'm really pumped to read Eat the Rich. Dude, Eat the Rich is fire. I I really that. liked that first issue a lot. <laughs> it is like I only read it once and then, you know, mo- and moved on to other books or whatever, but it's it's stuck out in my head yeah. that every week since I've been looking for it and I saw that it was on the list you know, this week and I was like, yes. Yeah, it's such a simple conceit. It's my get out works, you know? It's like I'm taking you home to meet the parents and then like, well, class privilege or like racism or, you know, like you're going to get effed up if you're going to come with me. And oh, no, now it's a horror movie like that. That it just works every time. And it helps that the art on that book is so freaking good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm excited for issue two of that, too. I am as well. Uh, Aaron, would you care to do a like crowd? Sure. It's a Nubia book is what I thought I, uh, Vito was going to be doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. It, but yeah, I, for, it was going to kill me if I couldn't remember. Yes, yeah, for Wonder Woman's anniversary in October. Yes, yes, yes. yes. All right. What were we talking about? Oh, no. Okay, here we you go. Talking about talking. stormy right. weather. Okay. All right. So, okay. I got three books. Um, I'm always when I'm about to do my lightning round. I'm always wondering if I put them in the best order to sort of talk. I want to end with the best one. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. So we're going to start with uh, X Men: Trial of Magneto, number two. Leah Williams, Lucas Warnock, and uh, Valerio Cidi. So okay, as we saw in issue one, everyone's blaming Magneto for uh, the death of the Scarlet Witch. For reasons that can't, I still don't understand, to be honest with you. But in any event, we we pick up in this uh, this issue with Charles and Hope telepathically working him over, um, having a little bit of a disagreement about what exactly they are trying to do, um, and, and it just to me sort of it seemed a little odd considering that bond that has existed between Charles and and, and Magneto for the better part of this entire run. So that sort of set it set me off in this sort of weird sort of this house is about to start crumbling down position. But in any event, uh, we move on to the book. The Avengers arrive. Tony is a dick. Um, and basically, Hope starts some shit that basically ends with North Star letting you know he will kick all your asses if you mess with his boo, basically. Um I don't know what Hope is up to, but I think that's going to be the next layer of this story. Um, and in the end, we have one of those, it was Agatha all along moments that popped up <gasps> at the end of this book. So I was sort of like, what? Oh, okay. That was interesting. Um, I am enjoying this book. Um, I, I sort of like that it's sort of shaking things up again in the the universe that we were just saying sort of hit a, a little bit of a, a dry spot. So um, I'm gravitating towards this book. And I'm a little bit, I was excited to see these characters being used in this way. And also what I have realized is that X factor is fun in doses. Um, just not in a whole book from my perspective in any event. Um, next book, fantastic Four: life story. Number four, Mark Russo, Sean, I'm sorry, Azaske and Francisco Mana. So this book focuses on Ben Grimm, and it picks up again after um, sort of reminding us of the story of the loss of one of the characters in the last book um, and really centers Ben Grimm in this position as the heart of the the group. Um, He's the one that is sort of helping to keep everyone together. But we also get a little bit bit more about his history 
um, some things that have happened to him in the past that sort of ride him as, you know, guilt. And it's almost sort of like a metaphor of the, the, the rocks that he carries, the load, the burden that he carries, you know, maybe being the guilt that he carries from some of the things he's done in the past as a soldier. Um, it also gives us, you know, another, you know, sort of dimension of that relationship between him and Reed, basically harkening back to how it was a very rocky start, but now it's one where there is a, a brother, you know, brother-like relationship between the two of them. And I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Again, this book is not trying to focus on the shoot em up bang em ups of, of battles that the Fantastic Four have, but really talk about that thing that is that, that other it factor of this group, and that is that family appeal. Um, and we get a lot of that. Um, I especially loved when we were talking about when they were sort of talking about Ben's attempt to live a normal life and get back into the the real world. And his first attempt is through online dating. And yeah, there was that scene <laughs> where she's like, your profile pic is not exactly match what you yeah. look like now. And I'm like, we've all been there. Um, but it's it's I think this is this book is really Mark Russell has the ability to sort of blend perfectly the story you think you're here to read and the story that he's going to give you. Um, and it doesn't make you, and he somehow was able to do that without making you miss anything. Um, now in the end, as I said, there wasn't the shoot him up, bang him up, but we had a, a character, you know, appear that sort of set the stage for what's going to come next. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I just really love the slow burn aspect of this book. And that's something I don't often say um, because I usually like to get to the, the meat of it pretty quickly. But in the end, the, the conceit here is life is short. Live your life. Last book I read was Seven Secrets 12, Tom Taylor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm so – I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted <laughs> because I, I, I'm morally confused – um, I don't know who to trust, who to root for. I, I don't know what. Anyway, where we start this book, we again, we pick up right where the last issue left off, where we had a betrayal. We had some revelations. Um, everyone's got a secret and a twist and a turn. Uh, we got the revelation of a connection between two people that we just I did not see that coming. We got some flashback scenes that explains everything and a little bit more. Uh, we learn some origins. We learn of a relationship and a connection that all leads to these motivations that that bring us to where we are now. Um, it's all starting to come together and make sense. Meanwhile, Casper did what? I'm just, I, 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 I don't know if anyone else has read this book, but that last page, I was like, I knew we were going to get back to that. <laughs> I knew we were going to get back to that because there's no way they're going to throw some fairies up in this bitch and not have that come back some point later. I love how excited you become about this series. This book is just everything I need when I read it. it it's just the book that just it takes me out of whatever I'm in in the moment and, and makes me stand up and focus on only what I'm reading. I'm not listening for, for to the music that's playing in the background i'm not i'm i'm reading this book because i want to know what's going to happen next um, you're fully engaged totally tuned engaged. in yes and, and i am loving it um i that last page i was just sort of like okay all right like i said knew this was going to come back at some point but 
here we are. Well, there was a last page, like maybe two issues ago, where yep. there was a there was a character yep. unveiling, and I mean that that blew my mind because I had to go back and I had to read like at least five six issues back just to follow that character through that story and look at like when were they around when like, it was wild it was it was one of the most unexpected things that i've read this year i, I well i'm still thinking about it it's awesome this is just a great 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 book it's so much fun it's so much fun um i also read superman the authority and that's my lightning round also before we get into aaron's books i just want to clarify something when i was like there's some cool adventure stuff in marauders i lied that was the cool adventure stuff in magneto so i knew that what it was i was just like yeah i'm just gonna leave it even less cool stuff in marauders 24 (laughs) for those that are interested man i'm so excited to catch up and read marauders 24 (laughs) right now i was just like as he said i'm like there wasn't a single avenger in marauders but i'm gonna let it go yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I think that um, Magneto, Trial of Magneto is, like you said, X Factor is better in small doses. And I think that this kind of like miniseries feature for them, same thing with Xavier. Like, I never want to read a book like w- with oh, like Xavier by himself running mm-hmm. around. Last time I did that was Mike Carey's X-Men Legacy. And that book was actually awesome. But I haven't read a book yet where like Xavier was a feature and and it really brought anything to the book in a meaningful way, right? He's always better as that kind of like floating in and out character. So when this book opened with the scene that you were describing, I was like, man, f this guy! Like I, I hate like he's such a he's the he's a villain he's the villain of the X universe and I love it I love it. Um, I also love seeing Hope again. I loved. Uh, the ending is bizarre, and I, I wonder if this book should really be called X-Men Trial of Magneto or not. I don't know. I, 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 there's three issues left, and I, I have no idea where we're going with it, but I'm here. I'm here for it. I think it's fun. What I thought when I was reading this, because what I have noticed is that, like I said, there, there are fractures that are happening in the, in the, ex, the Krakoan family. You know, there are people who love, love, love it. There are people who feel completely other. There are people who don't like the approach. There are people. And though when I when I look at, and again, I said, as I said earlier, I've been appreciating that relationship between Charles and um, Magneto. And it's sort of like it's an earned friendship of, of years of battle than realizing that they have something a common objective in the end that you know and in in my mind it was almost like i appreciate that this is not this whole run has not been a series of kumbayas Mm -hmm. of of everyone agreeing all the time and everything going so smoothly because then that wouldn't have been authentic you know because i mean look at the civil rights movement the civil rights movement had a lot of different perspectives there was all one goal but not everyone agreed on how to get there. And I think you have to show that, you know, if this story is to be authentic, you can't have a scenario where, yeah, we all agree that we have this goal and we're all agreeing that we're going to do it the same way. And we're all suddenly going to put all of our differences and our upbringings and our everything aside and follow that guy. You know, there's never going to be a, that guy that everyone is going to follow. And I appreciate 
that they are challenging, even the leadership, you know, in these books. Um, it's sometimes it's so spread out across the the series of books that you don't see it, you know, right away. But if you sort of read them and then sort of come back and sort of reflect on them all, you begin to see that that's kind of what's happening. There is this, uh, you know, Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X scenario, you know, that's still kind of happening there. And then where people fall, you have your, you know, your James Baldwin's lurking around there somewhere. And, you know, you know what I mean? You've got your, your different perspectives here. And I think they're trying to be true and honest to all the perspectives while still holding to the conceit that the objective is still good. The objective is still the right objective. You've been shown nine times that you're going to be wiped out of existence if you don't try something new. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate that still. Um, it does seem like they have since, um, when was it? I, honestly, I think since, no, I wouldn't say Exoswords, maybe right after Exoswords, um, we has some peaks and valleys yeah. um, in terms of the momentum. But I think it, it's, right now it's almost like the 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 star of the week shifts. The star yeah. of the book shifts from time to time. Because there was a while when I was just not really feeling um, New Mutants. And then this last issue, I kind of appreciated. Because um, it sort of brought a lot of things together. But, you know, I guess we just have to decide whether or not we want to stick with it or, or move on. It's, it's tough, man. It's 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 an expensive ride, really you know. Is. When you start piling all those books on top of each other, and then you got these new number ones coming out, five six dollars here, it uh, it adds up. It really does. It really really does. I, I, like I said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see where this goes. I never read any of the Wolverines or Cable stuff, so I'm not really missing them. But see, I oh. think my problem is that. I was getting everything for a while, right? So I was getting every aspect of the story right at the beginning. And I fell into the mindset of thinking that I have to read everything in order to get the whole story. And now that I've fallen off of a couple of issues, I'm wondering if it's worth it to keep tapping into the few I like, or or should I just make room for other stuff entirely at this point? Like right, right now, I think X Men itself is probably the 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 better book of the bunch. The cat's pajamas. I think it's probably the better book of the bunch right now. Um, I think they're all still trying to do different things and trying to show different things. But I think, well, I think they were still trying to do different things. But I think now it's. There, I don't know if there's a boundary. Like I said before, when was the last time in Marauders they were actually on the boat helping anyone? You know, they're, the stories are shifting into each other, and I don't know – I don't see the boundaries anymore. So I, except for Hellions, like you said, except for Hellions and Excalibur, um, those books continue to be in their own little space. But the other books are sort of shifting and, and walking through each other, and it becomes hard. It's just like you said, Joe. You, you, you were reading Charlotte Magneto and you were reading you know, Marauders and it became blurred as to who was where and what because there's no central, you know, there's there's no one that's centering each book right now because they can literally walk through each book. And the same characters can literally be in three different books doing, you know, three different things in the right. same week. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. That's yeah. your X-Men check-in <laughs> this yeah. week. For good and ill. 
I told you. What'd you tell me? I that told the bubble, you. the bubble would pop. I told you the bubble would pop. All right, listen, smartass. Aaron, before we go, I want to tell you that I thought Fantastic Four: Life Story number four was definitely my favorite of the run so far. So much heart in this one with all that Ben stuff. You've got what happens with Johnny, Reed and Sue, and Ben and Alicia. Yes. Yep. Get to see that. And as you say, filling in Ben's backstory, they've updated it to the Korean War, but the story yeah. they tell about that is so powerful. How many more of these are there for the life story? Two more, I think. Okay. I thought it was six. And little Franklin's down with the swirl. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. <laughs> he put it out there. You're making me want to catch up. Maybe I'll, I'll wait until it's collected at this point. I see you, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody else? No? No. Fantastic. Fantastic. Four, uh, even. Uh. Ha-ha! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need another drink. Yeah, okay. Ah, uh, Bob. All righty, then. I know that everybody's already commented on this, but I have to throw in my two cents. Harley Quinn, The Eat Bang Kill Tour number 1 by T. Franklin, Max Sarum, Rissa Louise, and Taylor Esposito was just amazing. Uh, look, you, you bring a Thelma and Louise vibe, not to mention Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, into this Harley mix, and you couldn't have a better team than T. Franklin and Max Sarum. Just saying. So good. Next up, Man Eaters, The Curse, number 3 by Chelsea Kane and Liam Neek. Was, a, was just a, a hilariously pointed satirical handbook that's entitled Witchcraft for Children, which does, oh, no. it does sort of spoil what craft they're teaching at craft camp. Am I right? The For instance, in this handbook, we are the daughters of the women you didn't burn, how to talk back to the patriarchy. That's where we're at. It's fake ads and wonderful little advices. Dark Lord, Teenager's Guide to Dating. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea. Next up, Black Widow number 11 by Kelly Thompson, Raphael De La Torre, Jordi Belair, and Corey Pettit opens a new arc called The Source, where Natasha and Yelena search for answers regarding the villain Apogee and who or what might be behind their evil schemes. There's also fun training mentoring stuff with Anya and Lucy. But there's also tension between the widows as Natasha is keeping a few secrets from Yelena, and one decision could have dire consequences down the road for Natasha and those closest to her. In The Mighty Valkyries, number five, by Jason Aaron, Torrent Grobuck, Matea De Iulis, and Joe Sabino, all hell is broken loose in, well, hell with one L, as new mom Carnilla has, lies wounded, and her co-queen, Hela is fighting a losing battle against the dragon Fafnir for the throne. Valkyries Jane and Runa are there as well, hoping to not only turn the tide of battle, but to rescue the three toddlers that Carnilla borrowed to create her new pantheon. This is a fabulous conclusion to a wonderful mythological epic, which, despite some heavy concepts, it just never got bogged down, thanks to the clever writing of Mr. Aaron and Ms. Grobach, and the art by Mattia de Iulis, which might be his best ever. Ooh. Check out this book, I'm telling you. 
It is. Gorgeous. I will. I will. Gorgeous. Yeah, this is, Every yeah. page of this book is beautiful. Yeah. This is the finale, so you could get the whole trade and see lots of wonderful art there. Finally, Fantastic Four number 35 by Dan Slott and John Romita Jr. with the able assistance of five inkers, two colorists, and VCs Joe Caramagna is the 60th anniversary issue, and it features a time-spanning tale that visits four eras of the FF's history. Of course, once we're into the timey-wimey shenanigans, you know Kang is involved, and so are four other variants, Ramatut, the Scarlet Centurion, Immortus, and Scion, all in search of parts of a device called the Prize, created by Nathaniel Richards, no less. Why not? We're into all this. Through the lens of the four battles that ensue, all the elements that have made the Fantastic Four a singular achievement in comics are certainly on display, and that includes a cliffhanger. Well, no, two that will bring us into new adventures, one of which is Mr. Slot, Mr. Slot's long-promised Reckoning War, which he first teased in She-Hulk number three in 2000. Uh... It's a, it's a, again, it's a time trial. There's something that Jen does that causes everything to end. So this reckoning war is promised for early next year. We've, she's got a trial. There's some sudden things. You want to go back to that dance lot in his second run on She-Hulk seven years later, did it again in She-Hulk number 20. He's thrown it around in the FF a couple of issues back. So he's been at this, and he got canned, not fired, but sort of his idea got thrown in the can a couple of times. He's back, looks big. As an anniversary issue, this couldn't have been better for me. I enjoyed the heck out of this. That's it for me. Yay. That's awesome. I can't wait to pick that up. I almost read that the other night, but I got too tired. I will read it tonight. That sounds fantastic. It's only $10. Uh, is that how much it was? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't even look. I just bought it. You made oh, a good well. choice, but it is $10. I'm sure that I did. Uh, no wonder my total was a little high the other day. And I looked at the amount of books I got. And I'm like, wait a minute. But I didn't bother to investigate because regardless, I would have bought them anyway. Uh, another book that I enjoyed that's on your list, Black Widow, yeah. has been so incredible every issue and you know i've often said you know if it's not elena casagrande doing the art what are we going to do but man it doesn't matter who's on this book it is it is it fires on all cylinders every single month there's still a a lovely two-page battle spread yeah I got like real Matrix vibes from this issue, particularly with the twins. Yeah. And kind of the way that their power set work works. And there's that shot at the very, very end with the kind of the unknown character staring out into the city and it's all green and black. It just it looks like the Matrix to me. I loved this issue so much. I had so much fun reading this. And just to think this is nearly canceled three issues ago. Poppycock. That's what I'm saying. We're now up to at least issue 13 in the solicit, so we're good to go. Fantastic. Go ahead, Eric. The Mighty Valkyries. I, I, I really enjoyed that book. Um, and I don't know where they, where do you – what's going to happen with Ranilla now? I'm sorry. Carnilla. Uh, Car, not Carnilla, the other one. The Oh, Runa, the, the, our, Runa. our, our new you. Valkyrie. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen to her now? I actually really liked her. I, I, 
you know, I like that they started, they had these different stories on different paths. I didn't know if they were actually going to ever meet up. Um, and I would have been perfectly fine had they continued to have different stories. But they met up, they had this, I don't know, this, almost this Asgardian Cagney and Lacey vibe. Yeah, you know, very good. Going, going on. Um, and I appreciated that. Um, it was just fun. And it was just, you know, the characters that they used, the 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 heart that it brought the heart that Jane slash Valkyrie brought more um yeah I just I, I now I'm like I'm gonna miss it I don't I feel as though the I I mean I feel as though it was a, the story felt unfinished well I don't know you you bought it digitally Aaron yeah in the print edition there's a page with a message from our creators what a beautiful goodbye this issue closes the chapter for Jane and Runa but the Valkyries will return and sooner than you expect. Keep a sharp eye, true believer. Nice. So here's hope. There you have it. Nice. Very cool. Only other thing I gotta say, Black Widow. They gotta get rid of that hair. <laughs> Which one? Wait, what, what, what do you mean? Her side hair kind of yeah, thing? They got, Natasha's? They gotta get rid of it. Get out of here. It's amazing. It looks like a white Ronald McDonald. She got to get rid of it. I love it. For the record. For the record. I think she looks incredible. Oh, Hot. what? Oh, what? Ronald McDonald. <laughs> you got to let it go. I'm sorry. I can't. You and the slander, man. I, am, I love that book. But I feel like sometimes artists want to be so hip and so relevant that they focus on things about the character that don't really matter. Um, and I think that doubling down on that hair was just one of them. I feel like that's a very nice thing and there was no reason for it. It's, it's the new cut, cut, man. Asymmetrical. Listen, yeah, I love it. I think it looks great. I hope I it stays like around it for Salt years to come. I did it in the 80s and I don't like it now. Uh, all right well <laughs> remind me not to have you be my stylist how about that okay if you don't ever want to look good oh, oh. don't come for me <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anybody got anything else how about some lightning for me <sighs> nah Wow, that was the shittiest lightning this show's ever had. Do that again. I was, I was just about to open my mouth to do lightning, and Joey's like, nah. I, I did it for you, too. Good nice. Lord. How's a damn? Thank you, Bob. Good God. Uh, we're talking about I Am Batman. <laughs> Written by John Ridley. Art by Olivier Coipel. Colors by Alex and Claire and letters by ALW's Troy Petiri. So this is Jace Fox's story. Jace's Batman costume is amazing. He's got all kinds of like super armor tech in it. He's got this face covering that goes over his mouth and he looks he looks like a scarecrow Batman almost. And I absolutely love it. I like Jace's voice. Uh, his narration is very cool. I like being on the ground floor of a new Batman career. That's a lot of fun. Uh, he's trying to figure out how to present his Batman to Gotham. And he hasn't quite figured it out yet because this is kind of early days. But he's got some dialogue and some lines that I really, really dug. And I plucked some of these out of the, is of the issue here. 
He says, I can't chase what Batman was. I have to become what he needed to be real, not just something in the distance and darkness. I really, really dug that. So he sees a couple of kids tagging a building and he warns them. They don't care. They aren't scared of him yet. They're just confused. No one has seen Batman in six years, apparently. Um, Jace also pulls a very gnarly stunt with a bat baton and a car wheel. And maybe a little rash for a, uh, I guess, rescue mission or, or stopping the violence going on by creating more of it yourself. I don't know. But um, there's a part in this issue where he's talking to the GCPD uh, about the cops around the city, Ma- masked characters, vigilantes and stuff. Nobody does this sort of thing anymore because it's too dangerous. You will be taken down real quick and be put away and nobody will ever hear, will ever hear from you again. But he's talking to these cops at one point and he's talking about the cops that won't like him participating, won't like them him helping them. And he says, let them know I'm not a myth. I'm real. I'm fighting for what's right. And he says, as long as they are too, then they've got a new partner. Uh, And of them who aren't, let them know that they've got a new problem. And I just thought that was a really badass line. Anyway, uh, I'm super enjoying it. I will admit that I am a little confused in terms of the Batman timeline and where this falls, because it sounds very fear statey to me. But Batman is also involved in Fear State in the other books that I'm reading right now. And this is supposed to be six years after Batman died that this story is happening. So I'm I'm terribly confused about that aspect of this launch. And maybe I missed something. There was an issue zero, but I don't know. Uh, I'm going to stick it out because I really I, I dig the character and I like the vibe of the book. I know the art's going to be changing real soon, if not in the next issue. But I'm going to hang out for a little bit and see what happens. All right. My next book that I've got on here is another Webtoons called Forest of Humans. This is created by Junho Huang. It is a story about Ruha. She is a researcher helping with a case study, a secret case study about psych, uh, about a psychiatric hospital that houses several of the world's most notorious serial killers. She's basically lied to everybody about where she's going. She says she's going on a work trip, but she's not telling anybody. She's not telling her father. She's not telling her boyfriend. No one except the people she's working with know where she is or that the case study is even happening. All of the inmates are set to be executed after the study is concluded. So the killers figure if we're going to die anyway, why don't we use this opportunity to try and escape? So at one point in the book, a doctor gives one of the female killers something to knock her out. Some very terrible things happen. But in the midst of that, you find out that she never swallowed the pills that she was given. She spits them out, puts her thumbs into the guy's face and presses his eyes into his skull. Yeah, she also rips out his tongue, I think. Um, But after that, this book gets crazy. All of the killers go around the floor and basically take everyone out with the exception of Rue, who's hiding in a closet. 
and they didn't hear her and they walk away and whatever. So she's making her way down the stairwell and she bumps into one of the serial killers. This particular serial killer is very young and basically his whole thing is that he killed because he thought it would be fun and he's really twisted and she's like, oh my God, I'm stuck in this stairwell. If I go anywhere else on this floor, I'm going to die. And now here's this person in front of me. And he says, you know what? Let's get out of here together. And she says, why are you helping me and not killing me? And he said, because I think helping you would be fun. And until it isn't fun anymore, we can try to escape together. And so the book turns into this survival story of this woman going around with a serial killer while being chased by other serial killers inside of a psychiatric hospital And she needs to make it out before they catch up to her. It is very, very intense. It is a lot of fun. It is very twisted. Uh, The artwork is a very like manga anime feel to it with very uh, soft blacks and whites and grays and uh, red every now and again for the blood. And it just looks so slick and so good. And it's really, really engaging. If you're onto Webtoons, the, the, First, issue zero and then one through four are available. However, and this is my other thing, I said last week that I was going to investigate Webtoons a little bit and find out what's what. So I did that because I wanted to read more of Forest of Humans. There are 32 episodes in this, and that's the series finale, so it's done. But in order to read the episodes that are left, you have to unlock them with a daily pass. So daily pass is basically currency within webtoons where you think about it as like buying coins, right? And then you take X amount of coins that you pump into these comics to unlock them. You then have access to them for 14 days and then they're locked again, or at least that's the case with forest of humans. So let's say the whole series only cost me $5 to read because I have more than enough tokens or coins or whatever the currency is. That's awesome that I would get to read the whole thing in one shot. The problem is they take it away from you. You get to, and they lock you. It's like, you're paying to borrow the book. You're renting it like a video in the old days. Yeah. And like, I mean, I guess that's a good way to put it. I didn't really think of it that way, but yeah. But at first, like I kind of, like I balked. I was like, what? Like I'm so used to being able to have access to my books whenever I want through comiXology or, or through buying them physically at stores and stuff that the idea of paying into the book only to have it taken away. And in such a short period of time too, like you better read that shit. If you don't read it, you're wasting your money. Um, but yeah, it kind of it kind of turned me off a little bit to uh, to the platform. I think I maybe got to look into it a little bit more, but I I do like the idea of thinking of it as a rental, uh, Bob. It actually helps me a little bit. There you go. We have to see yeah. how many other books are like that. That's going to be the key to it. Yeah, I caught up with that ba- that Batman family book the other day and the the new issue is is just as fun and funny and light and and sweet as the others and it that series is is outstanding and that one you can read for free every thursday like new new issues of that are coming out every thursday so that's 
Definitely one to check out. I also do. I wholly recommend Forest of Humans because it is awesome. And I will likely, even just as an experiment, I will probably purchase some stuff so that I could read the rest of this and just see how that process works. Like I said, I think that I think the creators set the parameters of the release, like of their work. So maybe this is this is just the way this person has set this up for this series, and it won't be the same case going around to other things. So, uh, and last but not least, I just want to say very quickly: if you've never seen the movie Candyman, the one that came out in 1992, I wholly recommend going back to that. And watching that movie, because Robin and I did a double feature of the 1992 Candyman and then Nia DaCosta's new Candyman that just came out on digital this past Friday. Best double feature I've done in I don't even know how long. Nia DaCosta's Candyman was a masterpiece. Both of those movies together, watching them back to back, the connective tissue between the two of them and the kind of like exploring the nature of urban legends and what Candyman is and how he's kind of an amalgam of a whole bunch of them between the hook man in the back of the seat and bloody Mary with saying his name five times in the mirror, just all the stuff about feminism and, and classism and stuff like that. And the cops and the, Oh my God, just so, so absolutely amazing, both of those movies. And to think that Nia DaCosta is going to be directing the next Captain Marvel movie. If you watch Candyman and you see the camera work in this, you're just going to be that much more excited. It was unbelievable. Such a great, great movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, I am not having Tony Todd. He was so... Tony Todd? Tony Todd's in the movie. (gasps) Oh! Tony Todd is in the movie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is very clever. It takes it takes a lot of cues from the original. Um, I don't want to give too much away, okay. but it's it's not a movie, like it's not about graphic violence, just like the first one really wasn't. You don't really see you see the kills, like the aftermath of them, but they a lot of kills happen off camera. In, in in both films and it's just it's a delivery of the horror that is so unique to these two movies and it works so so well awesome i just i was i was blown away i was blown away by it i i really i i can't say enough good things about it it, it was awesome um yeah, that's it. Uh, does anybody have any? Uh, thank you. Any uh, questions or comments or anything about anything I talked about? Was it? I thought I read an article that Nia Degasta was the first woman of color to debut at number one. Yes, her movie debut at number one, which yes. is bizarre to me at this age. But congrats yeah. to her. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, the just the direction, everything. Like even from the very very beginning, like even the logos. Uh, when they first pop up for the studios that helped, uh, like you know, help get the movie made or whatever, uh, are backwards, and so you're you're looking at a mirror's reflection when the movie first starts, and it was so disorienting in such a cool way that it totally set the tone for what you're about to watch. You're like, oh man, this movie is going to do some stuff, <laughs> and even just from the very first shot 
uh, and like real deal credits, not like showing you names as the movie's happening, but just this lengthy stretch of like a building. And it's so like, like vertigo inducing, but in the best possible way. And when you come, when you finally come right side up to start watching the movie proper, it is a mind fuck. It's so good. Man, I can't wait till uh, she's got Kamala Khan with those power bands, giving her her superpowers. I'm telling you, could be after uh, after watching this movie, I my anticipation for the Marvels has skyrocketed. I cannot wait to see her with um, these characters. The John Ridley Batman is not the mainline Batman. It is like a future state thing. But it's got the Fear State banding on it because they want you to buy all the Batman books. All 20 of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was just confused about the Scarecrow talk. I was confused too because it was like they start and it's like literally the same setup and they're like, Bruce has been dead for six years. And I'm like, okay, so this is not the same thing, but it is the same thing. It sounds exactly like the same thing because – that, it's like good. I said, it's yeah, good. no, I, I I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. I just I found it to I find the Batman stuff to be very confusing. That that event is too big. Well, and it's it's this it's the problem that DC's always had with Batman. The Batman book, first of all, the Batman books are always awesome, so it doesn't matter. But they've always tried to have their cake and eat it too. It's like, we're going to reboot the whole crisis, but not uh, Batman uh, books, you know, but only just kind of the Batman books. Mm, yeah. You know, because it, it same thing happened with the final crisis, but then spinning out a final crisis into rebirth or whatever the, the, what Scott Snyder had done was still there, but everybody else got rebooted. And it was just like, what is, what is happening? So with Batman, it's always, I feel like you're seeing that here where it's like, we're still going to do fear state with Batman, but we also really like the future state five G Batman, Jason Fox, Batman. So we're going to do that too. Yay. I just wish that there was, that's the new DC, right? Everything counts. Yeah. I guess I just, I wish that there was some kind of like, framing at the start of it to tell the reader where they are in the story. Like if this is its own universe, just say that, just say that at the beginning, have a, have a, the insider page or whatever be like, blah, blah, blah. This takes place. I don't know. They don't need to do that anymore. It's all so simple. Is their their thought process? I guess I just, you know what I, beyond being confused by that, I really enjoyed myself, but there were at least two different points where I got tripped up because I didn't know where I was anymore, <laughs> quite frankly. It was like six – he said it was six years, but you're talking about him like designing parts of his suit to combat fear toxins, which that could be any given day you know, with, with Batman. But like if it's six years later, are these people still active? Is, is Scarecrow up to something again or is this the same event? Six it just, years in the making? Yeah, that would be weird. Look, I said it last time, and as much as I do love Scarecrow, I think he's around a little bit too much. I love me some Bat, but yeah. I love me some Bat, but too. Hey. Hey, Hey, listen, if you're enjoying the Bat, you have at it. That's what I say. Hey, you you like that Bat, but at it. (laughs) Night, but. Listener questions. Uh, No, actually. What? (laughs) I, I said no. 
<laughs> um, we're going to go to a break. Oh. And yeah. I see what you're doing. A little post here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a little break here, and when we come back, we're gonna have Kurt Piers in the house to talk about some of his books. So stay tuned. everybody we are excited to have all around creative artist kurt pierce on the show this week i say all around because kurt has come to our show not only as a comic book writer extraordinaire behind books like youth and lost falls which we've been talking about on the show lately uh but many others that we'll be sure to get to today uh he is also a writer and producer for tv and film so we've got so much to talk about with kurt so we'll dive right in kurt thank you so much for joining us uh this week yeah thanks for having me i uh Glad we finally able to connect. Like I, I've had a few people tell me on Twitter and stuff that you guys shows put them on some stuff of mine, and you know Steve and I ended up ended up connecting after one such interaction. So it's it's nice to uh, to be on here, and I appreciate you guys evangelizing uh, the work on here. Totally, man. Social media, man. It's bringing people together. That's what matters. Um, <laughs> or tearing them apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we always like to start the interviews with the same question. And uh, we, we want to ask, what is your comic book origin story? How did comics come into your life? And how did you go about making comics um, your life professionally? Uh, so I started probably reading comics around the age of... Uh, I'd say probably 12. I think my, my dad and my uncle took my cousin, uh, my cousin and I to a, a comic shop in the, in the city I live, which is the, the same shop that's still around to this day. It's a great Canadian shop called Another Dimension Comics, and it's been open for, uh, I don't know, since I think the mid-'80s in, in Calgary. So I've... Uh, still shop there to the to this day but yeah we, we went there and it was probably there it was the early 2000s so it was like jim lee drawn uh batman and i think brian bendis and alex malieve were doing their daredevil thing and i picked that, some of that stuff up just on that first trip and i was sort of hooked and then just uh f- kind of fell out of comics for a while there in middle school and stuff and then in high school Another friend of mine got me into, you know, like Preacher and all that Vertigo stuff. Uh, Secret Invasion, Final Crisis were coming out. So <laughs> check that out. And I was like, yeah, this stuff, you know, super cool. And sort of fell in love with the medium. And, and just after graduating from high school, I just worked super hard to sort of self-publish stuff and grind and eventually break in and do stuff at Dark Horse and then sort of just worked all over the place for the last, I don't know, eight or so years. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the the origin story. 
Could I ask? Because because Canada comes up on our show all the time uh, <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, do, do you think there's anything like Canadian about that origin story? There's just something about Calgary, something about growing up there that like pushed you down that storytelling road or something about comics came out of that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> I would probably better if I, if I had a better answer. I, I, I don't think there really is, though. I think kids in general are just interested in this sort of stuff, right? No matter, mm-hmm. no matter where you are, if you're a... Uh, if you're into, into TV or video games or whatever, I think you sort of fall into comic books sort of sort of naturally. And I think it's like so many... Uh, the thing that I think appeals to people about comics is sort of like uh, a really raw art form. Like there's, there's so many ideas and uh, sort of lack of restrictions and... You can, it's a medium where you can really sort of d- to do anything. So I think, mm-hmm. especially when you're a kid and you encounter some of that stuff, it, it it's really appealing to you because it uh, there's really no rules. And, you know, going back to what I said, I think reading Preacher was like one of those moments for me because I'm like, you know, you, there's just no other media you see that is really like that. There's a character named ass face who who (laughs) blow his head off with a shotgun there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on just sort of like uh it's sort of the the outlaw medium or whatever anything goes right there's so much crazy in comics and i think when you're a kid that especially is appealing to you Totally. Um, I, I did want to start with some of your, your newer work. Um, two Comicsology originals, Youth and Lost Falls. Uh, Youth was the book that like I, I brought to the show and we were talking a lot about over the last couple of years. Um, I was really taken with the energy and the grit of that first season. Could you talk a bit more about how Youth went from like the original ideas to the stellar series with Alex Diotto and how the series has evolved over the, the two seasons of it? Sure. So youth is an idea I had a, a, a fuse back now at this point. I think I probably started, came up with the first idea for it in like 2017. Uh, and I was just thinking about how there's no, there's no uh, superhero comics or teenage superhero comics. I really particularly felt re- reflective of uh, the craziness that a lot of people go through in their late teens, early twenties, uh, just felt like out, sort of out of touch it, uh, with culture at large that comic books felt. So I wanted to do a book that was a teenage superhero book, but like really raw and, and uh, inspired by you know my love of like uh, hip hop and you know like Frank Ocean sort of uh, people I, I spent time with in my life who. I did crazy stuff and sort of the shenanigans we got into. Uh, and I was just like, why? I didn't understand why no one had done that. And I think the, the, the last really good teenage superhero comic was maybe like Runaways. Uh, mm. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, it's an awesome comic. If anyone who's listening hasn't read it, please read it. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to tap into that and it took a long time to really find the right publisher and stuff 
for it because I think it's really ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. often really rough around the edges, which I think was scary to some of these publishers. And eventually I just end up getting in front of uh, Chip Mosher at Comixology and he's really into it and uh, championing the book. And from there we were able to, I, you know, I just thought it'd be cool as a TV show also. And, uh, was able to get in, a, get a meeting with Amazon Studios, and I pitched him it, sold him as a TV show with with me writing, and then pandemic happened, uh, and there's like no new comics coming out, right? So worked on this sort of like master plan to sort of bank all the issues and drop them weekly, uh, and that combined with I think the the Amazon announcement really got the book on, on people's radars and interested in reading it and uh, people seem to like it. So there we made a bunch more and we're, we're going to do more still. So I don't know people seem to like the book and I like working on it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, it's cool. I, it's kind of long winded way of answering your question. If you want me to, Elaborate on something specific. I mean, well, is uh, go ahead, Steve. Is a is so youth is being adapted. It's it's currently in development. Yeah, exactly. Done a couple drafts of the screenplay. Now we're working with another writer on it. We're trying to calibrate it exactly how Amazon wants, so they'll give us green light and a bunch of money to go shoot the thing. Mm-hmm. Does it have like a showrunner or anything like that yet? No, not yet. Okay. That's awesome, though. That's a really that's a really sweet deal. Congratulations on that. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'm done with <laughs> a, a bunch of stuff in, in TV now, and I think the they're, the they're different. They're good in different ways, right? Obviously, there's a lot more money in TV and stuff. But there's also a lot more uh, fuckery and and, and, and <laughs> bullshit. To be honest, that's a great word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it also gives you another outlet to tell your stories, right? Like you can you can tailor them the way that, you, that in a different way than comic books, in so in certain regards. Yeah, for sure. Like there's stuff you can do in TV that you you can't do in comics. The main thing is real estate. Most TV is an hour long. That's sixty pages. It's a the sort of minute page rule when you're doing TV or film. Uh, comic books generally around twenty pages. So like one episode of television, you got 40 extra pages. You can really stretch things out and dig in a character and, and take your time with things in a way that you, you can't necessarily do in a comic. With uh, season two of youth, um, which came out, as you said, kind of during the pandemic, uh, the world of, of the book just got huge, right? You, you more expansive, added new characters, uh, incredibly diverse kind of ensemble of characters. Um, what's the most exciting part about being in that kind of world building mode and kind of expanding the infrastructure and ensemble with a book like youth? Well, it's kind of a challenge because the challenge of youth is balancing the superhero narrative stuff, which there's, you know, an abundance of superhero content. Uh, and a lot of it's very generic with the grounded humanistic elements, which 
to me is an interesting part of youth and what people respond to when they respond to it is the, the, this character stuff and its interaction with the superhero narrative that people are familiar with. So the, the real challenge of writing it is like balancing those two elements and I'm constantly juggling like, okay, we're expanding the scope. We're doing this, we're doing that, but I don't want to lose people uh, and lose the, the heart of the book and it just mm-hmm. becomes sort of like every other uh, teenage superhero book. So sort of like every season I sort of feel like I have to reinvent the wheel a bit. And uh, season two, it's like, I think it, we did some playful things structurally. And I think we found uh, the new characters, Adam and Madison. I thought their first chapter mm-hmm. uh, I was really happy with. So I think, we landed the, those two elements and after we got that stuff out of the way, I think it was a lot easier to just expand things. Yeah. I mean the book, like going back to the first issue of season one and you, you just start that book and you think it's going to be about this couple and then it just, it, it blows up literally from there and, and it just builds and builds and builds. I, I, I'm with you. I think the book just continues to grow in really awesome um meaningful ways um as you as you work to like develop the show and continue to develop um the book how much does alex's kind of aesthetic and and his art style impact how you're envisioning an adaptation or how you push into a a third season of the comic or something like that so like it's really a couple different answers so writing uh with a tv show it's more of like, for me, the really interesting thing is like, how do we migrate what's interesting about the comic and what people like about it to the TV show, right? Because you look at TV shows based on comics and generally they take a really unique comic, uh, something brilliant even, and they hammer it into something generic. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, frankly, all the time it's terrible. Uh, and you know, I'll just say that because I deal with it all the time. It's like this whole cottage industry of TV people who take brilliant ideas, create another mediums and turn into liquid mush paste for, uh, people to watch on, you know, Amazon prime or whatever. And I'm not interested in doing that. Uh, there's good stuff too. Look, I'm not trying to be a huge dick, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm digging your honesty. I just, I, I find yeah. it refreshing. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, good stuff too, but this is what Hollywood does. Uh, yeah. And I don't want that to happen. So my main job on the, on the show is making sure that doesn't happen uh, and make things interesting and, and true to, to the core of the book you know, no matter what we do, uh, that doesn't mean going to get my way on every single thing, but I mean, it means never compromise to the point of like, I wouldn't watch the show. Right. Uh, which I think is the same thing with the comics. Like you don't want to put stuff out. You wouldn't read. Uh, but in terms of the, of the, the comics, I think what the interaction with Alex's art really mostly comes in, in what I'm scripting. Uh, Alex is really good at nailing some of the higher panel pages. Uh, Like I think there's, I think it's issue two 
of the first one where there's like a 20 panel page or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex and I were also simultaneously working on another project at, it's going to be coming out of image next year. And I just wrote a page that was like 30 panels and he did a great job, but so I know we can do that. So I can script those moments where, uh, we have have that this really chaotic high density action moments. Mm-hmm. I know we can basically draw anything I wanted to is what to say. So I don't really have to worry about t- too much what he can or can't do. So it frees me up to think of just purely in terms of story and how to make it interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I'm pretty much doing right now. I'm just about to start working on the third season of youth so just thinking a lot of how to you know as i say make it not suck and and make it not be mm-hmm. uh you know paste that people can can eat very easily uh and yeah it's an interesting challenge it's like you're constantly trying to reinvent the wheel and make stuff good and interesting because it's just i don't what's the point otherwise yeah totally i i i when I saw Lost Falls uh, on the release schedule, I was like, oh man, I've been eating youth up. I'm hyped for Lost Falls. And that book is a trip, man. Like I did not know what to expect. I just picked it up because your name was on it and Antonio's name was on it. Um, we talked about issue one a few months on the show and all like the press and the blurbs are like Twin Peaks, Love Calf Country, and the main character's name is Pynchon. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how Lost Falls came to be and how writing in that kind of surrealist ethos is different for you, new for you, exciting for you. Um, in what way? Yeah. So lost falls, I think I had the idea. I don't, I don't even know how far it goes back to a couple of years, at least like three or four, maybe. And, uh, I, I'm obviously based on, the what you're just mentioning a fan of, of Twin Peaks and and these sort of shows that are cryptic and and mysterious and have big mythologies uh, and I wanted to create something in the, in this vein and I sort of had just the idea one day of the this detective waking up on the shore with no idea how we got there and sort of like trying to figure out this big sort of conspiracy narrative and all this stuff. Uh, and I love that sort of storytelling, especially when it, it's done well. Uh, so I think it was fun and I wanted to sort of dive into that, into that world and build a world with a really dense mythology and a, a density of ideas and that allows me to explore a lot of different things uh, mm-hmm. and the detective narrative of, of pension being literally washed ashore into this, you know, larger world and all these questions and, and puzzles is sort of a, an entryway into this sort of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Your your storytelling partners on it are Antonio Fuso, who you've worked with before, Pierluigi Minotti, Lee Luffridge on colors. Um, given the the structure of it, the way you're sequencing this stuff out, the dreamlike sequences in it, what is the process like going from script to page on a book like Lost Falls? And I'm thinking of like some of those sequences that are like filled with 
strings of images and kind of bizarre esoteric things like how much of that is directed how much of that do you kind of put on the artists what's that process like uh so for that sort of stuff like the first page i think i had specific if i have specific images in mind i'll try to provide some sort of like reference or uh shot composition just from a you know screen grab of a film or something like that uh the process on this one was really interesting because so what happened and the reason why there's two artists on the book is uh did the deal to do like lost falls uh youth two and one other book i have coming up called memoria in like fall of 2019 uh and we started the book in like January of 2020 and it was just as the pandemic was starting and Antonio's in Italy. Mm. And so he was just like, not going to be able to draw the, the, the full book. Uh, and I had the fun process of sort of figuring that out. Cause I'm, you know, I, I didn't think really would be that easy to replace Antonio because his work's sort of really unique and especially stellar on this first chapter of, of Lost Falls. Uh, but it became clear for what, for, you know, personal reasons. And also I think just general, like, you know, the, the pandemic pretty much f- fucked up a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. uh, Antonio wouldn't be able to finish it. And so he ended up connecting me with uh, Pierre Luigi who, just as far as I know, just done a bunch of really great work in the Italian uh, scene. Mm-hmm. And we brought him on, and so I think that kind of opened my mind up a bit to like uh, the second chapter. I was like, always wanted to uh, go back a bit and show, and uh, and not in a super clear way, what some of what happened to Pynchon before he ends up in Lost Falls. And we had that page from the first one. I'm like, well, I can expand the sequence. I can still use some Antonio's art and then bring in uh, Pierre Luigi. So it was sort of like a big, again, another big puzzle to solve around mm-hmm. this uh, story, which kind of works for the the type of story it is and all the, the stuff we're, we're talking about. I try to to when life throws you these curveballs or things go wrong when you're making things or uh even if someone just an idea comes to you that's kind of unconventional i think being open to it is really interesting because sometimes mistakes can be the give you the most interesting uh art and that sort of like chaos of the world can bring good things to you so i think this was a case of that it was it was uh, it was fascinating. Yeah, that that's funny that you brought up that sequence in particular because I reread one and two uh, a couple of days ago, and I was like, oh, it's so cool that we went back to this seed from the first one and expanded it. So I didn't even realize that the art artist had shifted. So it's seamless between the two, which is which is so cool. Um, so y- you mentioned Youth and Lost Falls, Comicsology Originals. You mentioned Memoria, which is upcoming as well. Um, obviously, over the last few weeks on the show, we've been talking a ton about 
publishing and where creators are moving their work and all of this kind of back and forth to all these different platforms. Um, what, what was it about Comixology Originals and the, the deal that you struck with them that was a real draw for you? And why is it a good platform for these, these books that you're putting out? Well, I think it was the right deal for, uh, for me at the time. And, I know this. There's this whole conversation about uh, these new digital platforms has, has blown up. But let's take a, a moment to appreciate that did this deal in fall 2019 before any of these, right. any of these people uh, started doing these deals. So let's give me a, a gold star for being at. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> but no, what was interesting is I was just like, so like they would fund the books. They're not going to take any our IP or try and mess with us in that regard, which is quite unique. Pretty much can have total creative freedom. They're going to promote the hell out of the books. Uh, and it would kind of free me from the direct market a bit. And like only certain things can really be successful in, in the direct market. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and being liberated from that and not having to appease retailers uh, was kind of interesting to me because as much as much as I love them, like some of them aren't exactly on the cutting edge in terms of, of their taste. So it's like, unless you're making a, a very specific sort of thing, a lot of time it's really hard to resonate uh, mm-hmm. in that environment. So it's like kind of gave me a chance gave me a chance and freedom to tell these, these stories that might not have necessarily landed as well in, in the traditional ecosystem. But I, I think uh, in general, creators are getting a bunch of money to make things from these companies. It's like these big tech companies pretty much who are all offering us money to make stuff. Mm-hmm. just to put on their platform. I think it's a, it's a good thing because those deals are, are, are better than what Marvel and DC are going to give people. And but people traditionally have to work on that Marvel and DC stuff during the day and then do their image book or whatever at night. Mm-hmm. So it's like they can just sort of get out of that system. That's, uh, really exploitative to be frank i mean it's like matt fraction david aha aren't gonna get paid uh anywhere near the money the hollywood people are getting paid for that hawkeye show and and the whole thing just rips off their run uh and it's it's like uh no one on that working on that show is as talented as as either of those guys uh that invented the entire world they're playing in and they're not getting the money or the credit or or any of this stuff they should be really given. So uh, the deal that I've sort of done with Comixology and pretty much anyone I've started to work with is like, I control everything so I can make sure that stuff won't happen uh, to me and my artist partners. And I mean, you've been able to kind of avoid that, that kind of circle as it were the last few years. Was that, was that a kind of conscious decision when you were breaking in and, and kind of, building up your own studio and stuff to kind of break out of that work for hire mode and make sure you owned your own stuff. 
Well, yeah, I think earlier on I, I was more interested in working with Marvel and that sort of stuff. And then at a certain point, I just, just sort of realized I'm like, yeah, this isn't really a great fit. It's like the editors who work there who treat treat it like returning your email, like basically like winning the lottery, uh, which, which is kind of weird because like middle management. Uh, and yeah, you don't own anything you make. It's extremely volatile politics of the internal mm-hmm. environment of like, you know, what they'll let you do and all this stuff. Uh, so like the more I started like focusing on things and trying to figure things out, I'm like, well, if I build out the business end of what I'm trying to do a bit better, then I'll have more freedom creatively uh, to like tell the stories I want. And look, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to, uh, shit on Marvel or DC in some sort of hipster way because it's like I love a lot of those characters as, as well and I get why people want to work on them it's like I'm, a lot of those stories are amazing and there's great stories it's just you know disheartening when you read about uh, creators being taken advantage of and that sort of stuff right so totally it's uh, it, it, it hasn't changed since the 1960s really and it's like if they ripped off Jack Kirby, they're they're not gonna have any qualms about ripping you, who's the four hundredth dude down the line, Joe Jerkoff working on Spider Man. They don't care about <laughs> like they ripped off Jack Kirby. You're not it's not gonna end well for you. So I don't know. Totally. Yeah, I mean, we especially over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about this. Once all that stuff came out about you know how much creators get like a here's a ticket to the premiere for for that that movie that's making a billion dollars and and you pretty much built up from the ground up so it's it's been on it's been our minds as well um but something that you're you're you have a hand in in terms of adapting is uh we're we're weird weird it's always hard because you read it and i'm like uh, is this weird is it word i don't know um but it made news last year because uh, fx is going to be producing a tv series based on uh your work from dark horse also with antonio fuso with matt reese attached um what is it about that comic that you feel really resonated with so many readers um, and, and kind of paved the way for, for the adaptation to come. I think it's just like, uh, I think a comic's got a unique voice. It's reverent. It's fun. It's sort of like picks apart. Uh, I think the one thing the comic does really well, which I'm particularly proud of is it does like the black bear thing, but to superheroes. So, Sort of does a dark, twisted remix of a lot of these icons. There's mm-hmm. larger mythology there that I think we built out that fascinated people. And I think it's just, it's superhero adjacent, but fresh and interesting in a way that I think makes it appealing to uh, to the Hollywood type. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's a good comic and I, and I think it's just, it was the right comic for, for the moment could look mm-hmm. at it and the guys could don't have to work, strain their brains too hard to see what the version of a TV show is of it. And uh, yeah, it's cool. Like I liked work on the book. I, it's funny because like, I almost didn't do the book. Uh, we were shopping it around and, and we pitched a couple of places uh, and we got some passes and one of the places where we almost end up doing it was that, 
Image Comics, like a an imprint of of Image. I won't say which one because I don't want people to shit talk or, or do whatever. But uh, so one of the executives there was like into it, and you know we this was before I did Olympia. So me and Antonio were like stoked, and like, well, you know, nothing really happened. Not that much happens in the cold open. Can I see a couple more pages? So we did a couple more pages, thinking that they were gonna you know want to pick it up, and the guy was just like, no, you know, not for me. And I was, this is bullshit. Uh, and I was just sort of like, at the point where I was like, "Fuck, I don't know what to do. Like, do I even want to keep doing this? Do I care?" And I, and I talked to Antonio, and I'm like, "Well, I can show it to Dark Horse if you want. You know, I don't know how I feel about that." And Antonio was like, "All into it and all aboard." So I ended up showing it, and then we ended up doing it, and all this other stuff happened because of it. So I guess it just goes to to show you don't quit and don't give up on on your ideas, even though, uh, you know, whatever executive with a few dead brain cells, choose not to do them. Is that, is that a, is that a, a a corner of your storytelling world that, that, that book weird, is that, is that a book you would return to, to build out more? Cause like you said, the, the commentary on riffing on these kind of tropes and couching it in that, those kind of existential questions and, and kind of brutalist world is so interesting. Is that a world you'd want to return to, or you got your, you got your eggs elsewhere right now? Yeah, we're going to do more than work on it slowly. And there's deal in place. It'll be more weird. Can't really say cool. much more about that, but nice. We always like those breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, like Weird and Youth, uh, uh, Olympia, which you mentioned, has this kind of conceit of, of superheroes and comics that runs through it. Um, you developed the story for Olympia, you know, while your, your father was in the hospital. First of all, you know, before we get into it, of course, we're so sorry for your loss there. And, and I was so moved by um, the introduction to that book, um, the, the kind of personal touch you, you brought to that. Um, c- could you... Talk a little bit more about, you know, those themes of legacy and, and loss and joy and creating Olympia uh, during that time and, and what the process and book did for you uh, as a creator. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, I appreciate the kind words, thanks. Uh, yeah, it was just like not a great time in my life and in my family's life particularly. And I think, uh you know, my dad always joked around would like pitch me ideas and stuff. Uh, was a funny guy like that, and he sort of had the the kind of core idea for Olympia one day, and we we were in just a bad situation. I was like, oh, you know, maybe let's let's just work on this. So we have you know something to sort of look forward to. Uh, and I think I I knew Alex would be the one to draw because I worked on him with with some other stuff, and I was just like. He just was getting better and better, and I and I thought uh, it'd be great to do this with him because he's just like very uh, chill and easy to work with. Uh, and so we we did that and got the first few pages in, and this was so cool. And me and my dad sort of talked out a bunch of the story and stuff. And I think like what, how they ended up at Image was also really weird. It's like. Uh, on the image website, other than just blind submitting stuff, you can like uh, send in sample pages if you're an artist, which no one really does. 
but Alex did that and he sent them and Eric Stevenson saw the pages and was like, what is this? This looks great. Uh, and I ended up getting in touch with Eric. We pitched him at, and he was like, I want to do this. Uh, mm. And I was cool because I wanted to do an image book for a long time. And so, like, I told you that prior story, like, just never really worked out. Uh, but, yeah, we ended up doing it there. And it just took, a, uh, took forever to uh, get a good chunk of the the book done. Cause you got to have three issues done to, to solicit at image. Uh which is a rule that came about because, you know, I'm sure you noticed 400 people announce image books and then ship one <laughs> issue and, and then never do anymore. Uh, so Eric very wisely was like, no, if you can do announce, put out a book, you got to have three issues done, which, you know, I get and I agree with. Uh, but yeah, it took us a long time to get that book done. We started working on it in like 2016 or 17. It didn't really come out till. uh, late 2019 after my dad mm. had kind of passed. So it was just doing the book was cool, but putting it out and promoting it and doing all the stuff about it was just honestly exhausting because it's just like, right. so always having to talk about uh, stuff, you know, really want to talk about, especially. Yeah. I think the book came out or got solicited in like June or, 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 or July. And it was like, my dad died late February. So it's like, you know, just promoting this book and still dealing with so much heavy stuff and, and just trying to figure it out. So, uh, yeah. honestly, yeah, it's kind of weird. I like really love the book, but it's also like pretty hard for me to, uh, to like read some of it or even look back on it too much. Did the book, especially now that it's been a couple of years since it's been finished, has the book's meaning for you changed at all? Did did the book evolve over time for you? Um, you said that it's a book that you really like, but I'm wondering if if just like its role in your life or your creative life has has shifted at all. Uh, no, I mean like it's uh, so like super proud of the book and it's super cool and I I think it just came out before youth or any of that other stuff really hit. So I think like, and it's a pretty weird book. So I don't know. I don't think it really got the audience it, it deserved or mm-hmm. it as well as what it did done. If I put it out now. So it's, uh, it's interesting. I try not to look back on the projects too much though, because just like you, what can you, you can't change them or do mm-hmm. do anything with me it's just in the past once it's the trades on the shelves it's for uh it's for the people not for me anymore so i don't know yeah uh, Joey, you know, can i just jump in a sec yeah go ahead go ahead because uh, kurt hearing you speak about what you feel about the industry and, and how it affects creative people and and how they get compensated as well as their recognition and also about your dad that third chapter, The Ballad of Kirby Spiegelman, really now hits home even more for me than it did when I was reading it before. So kudos to you. That was an amazing, amazing issue. Oh, uh, thank you. I really, that's probably, I think, uh, my favorite single issues I've done. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think it just vocalized a lot of the, the struggles and stuff that creatives can have and, and that I was going through at that period. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's yeah, kind of interesting to be on the other side of it, thankfully. 
Yeah, and Kirby's relations with Wally is real special too. Yeah, that's great. That was sort of like putting that character in there was sort of directly a uh, uh, way to acknowledge Jack Kirby a little bit more and to sort of put him in there and, and, sh- yeah. and show the other type of uh, sort of surrogate father relationships that a lot of people have. Absolutely. Uh, that's the other awesome thing about um, Olympia is that that kind of commentary on in the industry. What for you has been the most surprising thing as you've come up in the comics industry for you what whether it's something with the process or other artists or creatives what has been the most surprising thing about the comic book industry uh, as you've come up i don't know i don't don't, uh i'm not surprised by much of anything anymore i think it's just like (laughs) like all entertainment it's very uh very about 90 percent of it's very shallow uh and uh, I don't know. It seems now more than ever. It's just a lot less about the quality of the work you do, and a lot more about the performance you put on in social media or in front of the camera or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I think that we have more content than ever, but it's it's more uh, it's it's more mediocre than ever as well. I think. It, as creatives, we got to push ourselves and challenge ourselves a lot more to to create stuff that's entertaining, but also says something. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I you know, nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah, you mentioned um, we well, we've mentioned some of your frequent collaborators throughout here: Antonio Fuso, D. Cunniff, Alex Dioto. You know, you're talking about like really forging paths with these creators and, and kind of pushing yourselves. What is it about this group that, you know, keeps you coming back and, and, and asking these folks to, to share and telling your stories? Well, I think for me, it's just, I, I, uh, I gotta like the way their work looks just as a reader, you know, uh, I think that's the first thing when I'm finding an artist to work on a book, it's like, it's gotta wow me because I'm in a lot of ways for these books. I'm, I'm the first reader. Uh, and I think just in general, if the art on a book is, isn't good, it's not going to be interesting because uh, comics are a visual medium. If you want to just read words, be reading novels. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing. The art's got to inspire me. And then beyond that, honestly, it's just are they chill and easy to work with? Because the people you see me working with over and over again are people who – you know, I've built a rapport and a relationship with who, uh, you know, show themselves to, to be good collaborators and, and, and loyal and, you know, worked with most of the people I've worked with have been great. There's been a few people who just turn out to be not jobs who you won't work <laughs> with again. Uh, but those people make you really appreciate when you, you get in a groove and especially with someone like Alex where it's like just putting a lot of stuff out with them. Uh, so... I think it's, yeah, it's, for me, it's just about those two things. Like, is your work quality? Are you professional? And, like, can I trust you to not, you know, to to not create problems or headaches for me? Yeah, um, I, I, I was just asking if you could talk more about the kind of types of stories you're interested in telling and whether, like, the themes and questions that drive your work, like, have evolved over the last few years. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I'm interested in stories where I think – 
Fabula Down have combined big ideas and interesting character work and exploration of, I guess, human nature. And I think the last couple of years, what's really changed is I just learned to not put any boundaries on the type of stories or subject matter I really tackle. I think when you start writing, you're trying to really curate your what you're putting out and you think overthink the type of career you want to have and you can kind of limit yourself. And last couple of years, it's been like trying to just, if I have a cool idea and I think the story's cool, let's just do it. I think there's no rules. I'm just trying to, to do my thing. And if I think I can deliver a really cool story, then, uh, then why like limit yourself? Yeah. I mean, the medium's unlimited, you know, and, and the thing I love about your work is, you know, like I said, youth, youth turned me on to your work and then I read Lost Falls and then I went back and read Olympia and all that stuff. And I was just like, all of these are different. Like they, they try different things. There's, like I said, there's like some themes that run through all of them, but, but the, the, just the sheer kind of experimentation and, and, and trying new things really comes out. And I, I really dig that about kind of following your, uh, your trajectory. So it's been, it's definitely, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're putting down and I'm picking it up. So that's, um, awesome. Um, I know Steve, you had a couple of questions you wanted to ask. Um, um, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to say that one of the, the aspects that I really loved about youth, I absolutely love it when a creator will, pepper their stories with a soundtrack, you know, tell you who, what, what type of music you should have in your head during certain moments. And so I'm curious, who are you, are, are you into music personally and who are you listening to? Who are some of your favorite artists right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm very into music as uh, I think that book like you've kind of revealed. I'm what I'm listening to right now. Uh, we had that, that big Drake and Kanye showdown. So I thought that was pretty entertaining. Oh, right. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been listening to Kanye's new record, Donda a lot. I think it's, it's pretty impressive. It's like 24 tracks. Yeah. It's, it's a beast. Yeah. It's like, uh, like there's so many layers to it. It's, it's a really great, I think piece of piece of artwork. It's, an hour 44 minutes it's like a feature film it's like two acts to the album it's uh yeah just that's the thing and listen to a lot of some soundtracks and stuff too like i saw that film the card counter i thought this sounds oh yeah cool to that so i've been listening to that as well uh like all sorts of stuff really nice if you had to put uh, a band, let's say, to Olympia or to Lost Falls. What kind of music do you think of when you think of those series? Like Olympia, I feel like would be like a mix of like John Williams and like Van Halen. Night. Uh, that's kind of what what I feel like works for it. For Lost Falls, I don't know. I think it'd be like kind of like weird ambient music. Uh, and, and sort of more experimental sort of stuff. I think it's some like John Carpenter instrumental would, would suit that pretty well. Yeah, that, that would, that would work for sure. 
Right on, man. I like it. All right, Joey, you want to do your fast five and then we'll wrap this well, up? You know, two of my fast fives were already hit. You know, we, we usually end with these like quick, quick hit questions and, and a couple of mine were about music. I'll, I'll ask the ones that are left. Uh, Kurt, uh, what's your comfort food, man? Like when you just need a little snicky snacky, what's the thing you reach for? Oh, that's, that's kind of tough. We're really a, a mood eater, so it kind of depends. What are you going for with this with with this cold you're nursing right now? What's the thing you're grabbing for to get you through that? <laughs> well, see that what's tough about that's like I'm trying not to eat too much comfort food because the cold because I'm just on my ass in, in my apartment. So if you eat a lot of comfort <laughs> food, you're just gonna come out of the cold as a fat fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, so trying to avoid that, but I guess just like. Uh, you know, like a turkey sandwich or something from Subway, I guess it's pretty simple and not devastating on your health. So that's let's go with that. It's really boring. Nice. But if if I said like um, pizza or something, it's like no, I'm not just eating pizza all the time because you. <laughs> Here's okay. If you were you're going to a diner, it's breakfast. What are you ordering? That's a good, that's a good question. I'm definitely ordering pancakes and bacon. Yeah. Whoa. Pancakes are king. Do you put the syrup on the cakes and the bacon, yeah, or you keep the them separate? Part because you, uh, yep. you get that sweet and savory sort of. <laughs> you swizzle that shit around and then you eat it. Yeah, <laughs> so good. That's the best part. Man. All right, pancake man, I love it. You know, after uh, talking, Bob brought up the, the Jack Kirby references before. You know, is is there a is there a dream collaborator you have? Um, you know, living or dead that that you that you would love to work with? Oh, I don't really know. Like, I'd like to uh, I'd like to work with Jock. I think like we have a few mutual friends, and he did that cool piece for youth. So I think uh, it was like a book play he did for us. So I've thought about that a bit. Uh, and I'd love to work with like Paul Pope or uh, like like Frank Whiteley or any of those guys. But uh, to get to that sort of level, it's like you guys are really just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, man, you're also doing your own thing. And I actually think I think a Frank Whiteley book with you would be super cool. Um the, the last kind of quick question that we have, it's it's an ongoing debate that we've been having on the show for the last couple of months. And, and It's not a debate. It's a debate. It's been decided. It, do, what are your thoughts <laughs> on Damian Wayne Robin? Oh, I love Damian Wayne Robin. Oh! <laughs> That's what about. Oh, uh, suck it. <laughs> suck it, both of you. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. So, Steve, you like Damian Wayne and, and you – I do. I do too. Aaron is the one that every week is like, kill that boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's a pointless little bitch. Uh, okay, so I'll, I mean, there's no reason for about no reason for him. Comic book character. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine where that leaves Damien. So say I don't think the character works anymore. Now that Grant Morrison's not writing him, they haven't sure, done anything sure. with him. Like now, if you're talking about right now. Uh, maybe I agree with the haters, but I think of the <laughs> that specific story that Grant told with him was like one of the best modern Batman runs, and uh-huh. specifically having uh, Dick Grayson, who's like 
kind of clean cut and optimistic and then like a sociopathic 11 year old it's <laughs> such a great uh story and and i just yeah that batman and robin stuff and uh batman r.i.p and final christ all that huge story that Graham was telling is like so impressive and i think one of my favorite uh runs in superhero comics just period um before we kind of wrap things up uh you you mentioned memoria and uh that's kind of the next big issue number one you got coming from comiXology um could you give our listeners just like a quick little pitch for what that book is and and what they can look forward to when they pick that up yeah so it's uh it's gonna be out i think there's been some playing with the release dates but i think it's gonna be out first week of december now and this one's interesting because we decided to do the whole OGN at once. Uh, so we're just finishing up the fifth issue, but it's sort of like uh, it's a procedural really inspired by the films like David Fincher and like stuff like True Detective or even going back to Lethal Weapons about these, these two detectives trying to solve this sprawling decades-long conspiracy involving uh, missing people and and unsolved murders, and they sort of stumble onto conspiracies that are you know vast and, and sprawling, and sort of have ties to large industry and, and government. Uh, so it, it's it's really cool. It's one of my probably favorite things I've done so far. And uh, yeah, yeah, fans of any of that stuff I listed or like Michael Mann films, I think will dig it. It's kind of a really hard boiled, uh, detective thing. Cool. Um, any other kind of questions for Kurt from the gang here? I think you covered everything. No, sir. Solid. Yes. Awesome. Um, Kurt, where can our listeners find you on the, the, the social media and stuff? If they wanted to connect, I would just say, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, won't so it won't be that exciting because I try and avoid the website, but uh, fair. But I do post, do the shameless promotion there. You know, totally. uh, it's just my name, which will be the same as it appears on uh, on the information for this, this podcast. Uh, and then, other than that, I'd say if you're in the U.S., like I, I think a good chunk of your listeners probably are. You can just sign up for Comixology Unlimited for like five bucks a month, and you can read most of what we've talked about here for absolutely free after you pay that subscription fee. So you can read both volumes of Youth, you can read Lost Falls, Memoria when it comes out. I think Olympia's maybe even on there. There's a lot of other cool books that uh, Comixology's done as well. So. Say if you're interested in any of the books and you don't want to get burned, <laughs> try that. It's, it's five bucks, and if you don't like my stuff, you can go read uh, whoever else you like. You know, may, maybe your taste isn't great. Maybe you won't like my stuff, but there's a lot of other stuff. Oh, man. Uh, we, you know... Kurt, this has been awesome. Kind of your 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 honesty and openness with with talking through this stuff has just been fantastic. And like I said before, like you are doing some of the coolest stuff right now on the stands. Um, and if you're not into one book, you read another one of your books, and it's totally different. And I think that's so impressive. So, thank you so much for for joining us um, for this episode, man. Well, I really appreciate it. Like I kind of said earlier, but uh, 
I'd, you know, just get random people on my Twitter hitting me up, being like, saying you guys were putting them on, and then uh, talking to Steven, who's saying you read my, you know, read my stuff since Pop, which is like my first. Yeah, man. I uh, so, I read Pop. I used to, I, I remember reading Pop in the airport, waiting to uh, my now wife uh, going to see her for like some of those first times. We were just getting to know each other. Uh, that's how I ended up in Canada. I'm out in uh, London, Ontario. Yeah, I moved here from New York. Nice. Yeah, I've got <laughs> yeah. Canada. Well, that's, that's you. 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 You accompanied me. You helped. But yeah, I remember reading that. That I remember reading Pop and uh, just being like, "Well, like I talked about that on the podcast eons ago when it was first coming out. I was following that, and it was just like so much of what Joey said of it being so out there." And so entertaining and so different. And then the characters were weird, but a good weird. And I really, really dug it. And so when he started talking about your work more on the show, you know, we thought it would be a great idea to to reach out and have you on. And the listeners got to it first. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That book, like, feels like so long ago. It's another life, but I'm still so proud of it. And I think... It's one book that uh, has a ton of fans. Like people are always talking to me about it and bringing it up, and in uh, in all the Hollywood shit and stuff, people are always like really into that one because I think it's just so unique. And I don't know, I'm just like have such such, such a cool book. Cause it was like my first, you know, big book, and just figuring that stuff out. And it was a hell of a debut, I would say. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. So everybody, uh, thank you to Kurt once again for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. And we will be back in just a minute with the rest of our show. Hey, everybody, we are back. We want to thank Kurt once again for dropping by the podcast and chatting with us. It was a lot of fun. We got some listener questions coming at you. Uh, so I want to address one of them right off the top real quick. Uh, Brian wrote in and says, what do you all think about the recent issues with Action Lab? Uh, do you feel there might be something else going on behind the scenes? Uh, and are they going to be able to survive after all of this bad publicity? Okay. So there's only a semi-prepared thing for this, but um, we are we have a couple of friends who are being directly affected by this. And so we are going to abstain from addressing this one, but we just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that we are aware of it. We are keeping an eye on it. And um, we obviously sucks. We think it sucks. Yeah. 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 We have opinions about it. We just, we want to be careful because, you know, some people that are are near and dear to us are, are very close to this thing. And we just, we might know aspects about what's going on that we don't necessarily want to share with, with everyone. So we're just going to keep this one under our hats for now, but uh, know that we are keeping our eye on it. And we definitely uh, are with the creators on this for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Uh, is there a much celebrated comic book run or graphic novel that you've tried to read, but for some reason, known or unknown, you can't get into it yourself? Okay, Joey, you said that you were going to. I got a bunch here, and uh, you're all going to be upset with 
a lot of them. The first one on my list is my favorite thing is monsters, which I bought for the award show and I tried reading and I just couldn't do it. I remember I your vote. It. And yes. I know I knew so I felt so bad because y'all loved it and I just couldn't I couldn't get to it. Um the other one too the, actually this is just a list of all the books that I know Bob really loves and I know that he's <laughs> gonna hate that I that I brought up. Like I'm I, I don't really like I really like Harley Quinn books and I tried to do Jimmy and Amanda's Harley Quinn and I just couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait till the next award show. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, and this one's for you, Steve. Harrow County, not my jam. Um, is this one for me or is it for Melissa? That too, for yeah. Melissa. Um, anything birds, with Deadpool in it, anything with Deadpool in it, just never got into. I've tried a few different volumes of Wonder Woman, but aside from that Rucker run that we all read together, nothing's really hooked me in the way that um, – but I love that everyone has their, their favorites on the show. And I know that Bob has a question coming up about it too. Um, I feel the same way about Spider-Man and I've tried my, my, my hand at reading, like, like diving in a slots run or, or picking up Spencer's run or Bendis's ultimate run or when Straczynski was on it. Like I, I tr- I've tried to like do a, a Spider-Man read and I just there's something about that character, the solo book that I just I always just fall off of it. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe I'd just rather be reading Daredevil. And the the last one that I'll throw out here um, is Chris Chris Priest's Black Black Panther. Um, I started reading the Marvel Knights stuff. I started reading that one. Probably got about four or five issues in, and I, I kind of just fell off of it. Um, I love the character. I've I've loved the the recent stuff from Tanahasi Coates, and I've gone back and I've read a couple of series here and there. But there's just something about like there's something about like that Marvel Knights era in general, where I think that there's a there's a vibe to those books. Um, I felt the same way about the the Captain America one and and um, uh, like the uh, like the Punisher stuff that I just like I, I couldn't get into. Um, yeah, those are those are mine, and I feel bad about those being on the list. Um, but 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 that's my list. <laughs> Joey, going for the jugular. Hey, you know, there's so many books out there. You can find something that you love, yeah. and that's great. But for me, I've tried those, knowing how much like love they get on the show, or how much like you know esteem they get in in comic circles, and I just yeah, like the like. To the the Garth Ennis Punisher, like I just that's not for me, you know the Steve Dillon stuff, like I just yeah. it's not for me. It's particularly difficult when the awards come around because there have been a few years, not not much, like not much, like we you know we we nominate some great books, but every now and again you'll hit that thing that just doesn't doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I can remember a few, but anyway, <laughs> all right, Joey coming out swinging, yeah. I like it. I like it. Bob, what do you uh, what do you got for this one? Uh, there's not any Punisher run I can deal with at all. And there are tons of great ones. I've read, tried a number of different ones over the years. Rucker's, everybody else's, and I just hate the character. I think every other hero in the Marvel Universe would just throw him in prison. That would be the end of it. I don't. I don't. I just don't get it. So that's off. 
And completely on the other end of things, Sandman. Oh, Sandman I, is also on my list. Okay. I have Sandman on my list. I have it. I have it. I, Bobby gifted me a wonderful omnibus edition, and I've tried four separate times, and I just can't get into it. I have all of it as well, and I've I've tried I think three times with that first volume, and I get about halfway through it, and then I get distracted by something else, and I never go back to it. Oops. I want to do it though. I want eventually. I want <laughs> to do it, but oh god, I know, I know. I, I I've been there. I've been there. It's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's just it's not holding me. It's not holding my attention. There you go. It sounds so terrible. No, it's it's art. It's all very subjective. Yeah. Uh, I'll go super quick just because I only had two things on my list, and one of them was Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I want to do it so bad. I probably will someday. Well, who knows? But anything by Russell uh, Dalrymple. Like, I have tried, I think, on three – don't ask me why I kept trying after failing out three or four times, but – a lot of people that I know, especially out here uh, in London, that really, really love his work. And it's always recommended to me. And people always tell me, like, you're going to love this. This is going to be the one. It's so this. It's so that. Like, I know you're going to dig it. And I read it and I just – I feel like everything that I've ever read is missing panels or whole pages and the, the stories just bop around to a point where I cannot follow them. Uh, and so, yeah, that's something that people have recommended to me countless times. And every time I try to dip my toe into that, uh, into that water, it doesn't go well. So uh, I'm sure that I've got more, but I want to hear what Aaron has to say. Really just one. Uh, well, actually, probably two. As Joy reminded me. Saga. Ooh. What? Never finished Saga. I think I read two volumes and I was just sort of like, okay, I'll pick it up uh, eventually. And just never did. Have you never been to Sextillion? I'm going to say no. I feel, <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Just the thought of it makes me sound feel dirty. Hey, well, it should. That's the kind of place it is. But, but Good no. time. Um, and then I did think about it after Joey, Joey mentioned it earlier. I have tried a couple of times to jump into Captain America at different points and places. And I won't say that I felt like they were bad. I, I, I don't think they, uh, they were bad. I just, for whatever reason, just uh, didn't connect to them. I didn't, I don't know what it, I just didn't connect. It didn't, I wasn't inspired to like, Oh, I got to find out what happens next. I got to a certain point. And I was like, okay, well, that was enough of that. And just sort of moved on to the next thing. Um, but I think that was, it in terms of I couldn't think of any other characters. That uh, Tanahisi Coates Captain America is really awesome. Yeah, I'm not opposed to reading Captain America again. I'm just saying of what I've read so far, I think I've read blips. I think I probably have read more Captain America as part of teams. Um or in other books or in other, like in the Ultimates and in other parts of you know Avengers books. But I don't know if I've ever felt as though there was enough happening in a Captain America book for me to with the character for me to to connect with. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anyone else that's just like popping him. Oh, maybe a Green Lantern here and there. I've tried several times to jump into Green Lantern and other than, you know, certain arcs, I, I have never been able to maintain the main Green Lantern line. Obviously, we know my Far Sector uh, <laughs> situation. 
but the main Green Lantern, the best Green Lantern, exactly. Yeah. She is. I've never been able to sort of maintain a consistent run on the re- the main Green Lantern uh, series. So yeah, that's about it. All right. Well, this has been your uh, taxi cab talking comic confessions. Yeah. Going on over here. I love it. Uh, this last question is for Bob specifically. Well, thank you. I'm yes, somebody's comes- favorite, at least. You're a lot of people's favorite. Don't even. You're the most popular member of this team. Not according to Joey. <laughs> what does he know? Oh, wait. He's here, isn't he? Oh, shit. Uh, sh- Joey All right. When he wakes up. Yeah. This question is for Bob. Okay. The biggest Wonder Woman fan ever. Which run of Wonder Woman, in your opinion, was better? Greg Rucka's or George Perez's? That's a tough question. Who who's asking this very tough question, Steve? Uh, Magic Reader. Okay. They are both great and for different reasons. And here's the thing of it. If George Perez didn't bring back Wonder Woman after the crisis, there couldn't have been a Rucker run. If you haven't read either and you're a younger reader, George's is an 80s comic. It is very wordy. It is very panel-centric. There are lots of panels. It's George Perez on art for the first 25 issues, I believe it is. The Perez run is the gold standard of modern Wonder Woman comics. It's what brings everything back, the Amazons, and a new storyline added to them that I won't spoil when you find out what the Amazons are now about in, in his run restores the mythology, adds a new supporting cast. Greg Rucka's, having spoken to him about it, he studied for more than two years to be able to, in his mind, do the character and the storyline justice. So he spent Hmm. a lot of time doing it well. The, the, The only thing that might separate the two, I would call them equal, and you can use my words here to decide which you'd like to read, but you should read both. Greg Rucka's first run on Wonder Woman ends badly because of editorial decisions on some other event that he had to then play into, and then he left because of. It's a whole Maxwell Lord thing that frosted his pumpkin, I believe. (laughs) Um, You, 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 you did something, you did something. Yeah, you did. You had, Okay, spoiler alert for a 20-year-old story. In a DC event, to stop Maxwell Lord from controlling Superman, Wonder Woman kills him and break by breaking his neck. Yep. Classic. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We knew that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not what Diana would do under any circumstances. But now he Greg had to address in his book, and he tried very hard and left soon afterwards, and then only came back couple years back for the for the rebirth if you're a younger reader go for greg's first then dive back into george's if you're a slightly greater vintage you may want to start with george's and move to greg's you should read both sorry i didn't give you a real answer neither one's better than the other they're both great you must choose find what you love and read that ah but the read, more you know but you might have to read both of them to find out which one you love uh. Uh. 
And if you're on Disney Universe, what is it? DC Universe. DC, DC oh Infinite Frontiers. What the we hell is it called? DC Infinite, Infinite Universe. Infinite That's, Universe. If you got that, you can read all of both. Yes. As you should. As you should. As you should. You know what else you should do? You should buy some comics this week. Right. Speaking of which, Joey, what are you picking up? Uh, the Onslaught Revelation, number one. X-Men, Onslaught Revelation, number one. Back to the 90s. That's it? Is that X- it? Nice. X-Men, number three. Oh. Batman, number 113. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which I love, Bob. Uh, that Texas Blood, number 10. Eat the Rich, number two. Once in Future, number 20. And United States Captain America, number four. Um, of five, we're almost done with that. And I don't know what the cap plans are after this. Has anything been announced or no. solicited? No, not even to December. Yeah. Hmm. They're doing, Aaron, a, ca- they're doing a cap Iron Man book, but that doesn't count. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's not real. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the floor oh, is yours, sir. Go what ahead. Am I getting? I am getting X Men uh, number three, FF thirty six, I believe. Superman, Son of Kal number three, uh, Death of Doctor Strange number one, Once in Future number twenty, uh, X Men Onslaught, Aquaman the Becoming number one, and Dark Blood number three. Bob, I am still buying Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which I'm. Not liking, but I am hoping it gets better. The art is so gorgeous that maybe I, I can get past it. U.S. of Cap number four, FF 36. Mom number three, the last issue of that one. Oh, oh. shit. Mom three comes out? Yep. And I didn't see that on the list. Yes. All right. That's well, according to Previews World, unless they've changed it. Oh, I want it. So if it's coming out, I'm getting it. (laughs) Uh, And I'm also picking up something called Swing, Volume 4, by Matt Hawkins and Yishan Lee from Image, which is a Sunstone crossover event. Yes, I've seen those. So I'll give it a shot. Awesome. For me, uh, Batman 113, Batman Secret Files, Miracle Molly number one, Nightwing number 84, after that devastating last issue, Supergirl, Fantastic Four, uh, Moon Knight number three. I'm going to read Moon Knight number two. I'm going to see. I liked the first one. going to see if the second one can uh, ride it out before we go and buy number three. X-Men number three, Chew number eight, Eat the Rich number two. going to be picking up uh, Mom now. Once in Future, uh, Sweet Paprika, Mirko Andolfo, Sweet Paprika, Paprika, number three, and that Texas Blood, number 10. There's probably other stuff, too, but that's what I wrote down, so that's what you're going to get. And that's it. Those are the books. Those are all the books coming out this week. No other books. Um, That is not true. There's a lot more comics coming out. Uh, You never know what you're going to get. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. All right. Um, does anybody have any closing statements? Happy birthday, John. You could, We miss you. <laughs> Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. Whatevs. No <laughs> way. Yeah. Happy birthday, John. Oh, there's one other book I forgot about. Sorry. I forgot. It's coming from Vault. It's called Rassel Castle. 
Oh, is that coming out? <laughs> yeah, the first volume of it. It's like an all ages graphic novel, I think. But it's, I think it's, it's like this adventure book. Rassel Castle is just such a good name. Why do I? Damn it! This is the second time this has happened to this podcast. Why do I know that name? Because it's, because it's cool. Rassel Castle. No, but who's, who's the creator? Oh, uh, give me a second. I literally put it on my list exclusively because of the title. I've heard. I've, well, why is this sticking out in my mind? Uh, Rassel Castle. Rassel Castle, Paul Tobin, Paul Tobin, Colleen Coover. Ooh, that's yeah, that's why. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Rassel Castle follows Lydia Riverthane, a gifted young wrestler who lives in the shadow of her older brother, one of the most popular fighters in Grimm's Blade. Rassel Castle. My dad used to say wrestling. Book of the right year. On. Book of the year. Rassel Castle. <laughs> well, it's great. Rassel Castle that has that has one of those um oh god, what is it? Uh bear was it the shark? Oh my god, why can't I think of the titles? Oh, um uh, Grizzly Bear Shark. Grizzly Shark. Or shirtless bear fighter. Was that shirtless bear, bear fighter. fighter? That was it. Yep, yep. That yep. was it. Rassel Castle. Castle. Get those bushwhackers in uh, Royal Rumble, right? Your favorite moment in all of wrestling. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. <man>. Uh, <laughs> picking on my bits. <laughs> I've told that one a few times, have I? Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Uh, Mom number three um, is delayed till the 27th of October. Oh, um, I'll get it then. I'll get it then. I'll get it then. I'll get Rassel Castle this week. Yes, it and fills I'll get, in nicely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> All right, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking <laughs> Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. You can also tweet us uh, at Talking Comics. We might not tweet a lot, but we do check it. Uh, and yeah, if you want to ask us questions and stuff, you can go there and drop them in the feed. We've also got talkingcomicbooks.com where you can find reviews and features from our fantastic contributors, as well as this podcast. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey at Joey Bracino. Aaron at Aaron J. Amos. I see you, Simu. <laughs> John is at Steve is my favorite on Twitter. I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, once again, thank you to Kurt for coming by the podcast and hanging out with us and talking about some comics. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Bob, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. <laughs> Joey. Happy birthday, Jan. Aaron. Stop playing, Simu. (laughs) (laughs) The thirst. The thirst is mighty. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued. Continued.